Got some backwoods up out of that home and a cup of ice. And some rubber bands up out of there too, homie. Yeah. It's 3 p.m. Hey, welcome to episode... You know what? It's been so long, I don't even remember what episode this is. I'm going to say it's 20, 30, maybe? 30? Um, 30 of the Draft Champions podcast. We're here today. I'm your, I'm, I'm your host, Zach, and you're here with Craig McGee. You can find him on Twitter at cmcgee523. And we got a guest here today, John Fish, at fish2483. And uh, he's a writer for Arbor Pro. What's up, boys? How we doing? Good. Yeah, doing well, man. Hanging what in of, there. What sort of intro song are we going to pick today? Do we get? Do we let John pick? Or yeah, you... of course, man. We got to pick the tradition back up. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, you know, we're going to go with Young Dolph then. Okay. Well, there we go. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I was going to think. I was. In, I was thinking Back in Black by ACDC because we're just we've been we're just making our way back. But you know, what? I like that. You know, what? It, it's just John. You got to you got to go for um, Young Dolph, obviously. Got it. Um, All right. So today what we're going to talk about, we're going to, after our uh, greetings and salutations, we're going to be talking about just briefly on the, like the, the shortened season um, and how that changes things on a high level. Uh, We had, we did it our last episode. We actually talked about um, specific players that could change in value, specific types of players that would change in value. Then after that, we're going to go through a draft that me and John are in right now. It's a second, a second chance DC. And then uh, we're going to talk about um, another draft that we did and sort of compare it to an older draft that me and John were in. And then we're going to go through um, um, we're going to each of us are going to give you a sleeper, a bust, a player we whiffed on, um, a comeback player and our favorite relief pitcher. And these are all specific to the new world. And when I, when I said new when I say new world, I think you know what I mean. But the, the, the new the new draft world, because things have changed quite drastically uh, since um, since COVID-19 took over. So. Uh, without ad- without further ado, let's um, let's start talking about the the new season, and uh, I guess maybe before that, like uh, how are you guys doing? Are you guys handling um, the um, isolation, self isolation, social distancing, all that kind of crap? How's that going? Yeah, go ahead, John. <laughs> I'll let you. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, things are fairly normal for my wife and I. My wife's a, a nurse, so. Her, she's obviously essential, so she's still going to work full time. Um, for me, I'm, I'm a liquor salesman, so we are still essential in Wisconsin. So I also am still working. Uh, our bars are all shut down, but all of our stores are open and they have been extremely busy. So uh, it has kept me awfully busy as well. That's good. Is your wife in the ER or is she, um, is she doing something different? Nope, she uh, is actually in over in Babyland. She's over in postpartum, so she, oh, that's that's good. So you're not dealing directly with um, any um, contagious patients. So that's that's good for you guys. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the only issue is our kids are now only going to daycare on the days that she works, so they are home much more. And uh, yeah, I'm ready for the virus to go away. Yeah, I hear you on that. Um, so um, I've uh, myself, I've sort of been taking a little bit of time off from the podcast as probably people that the people that did listen to it knew, know, know that because I don't think we've done a podcast for over a month now. And this is this is our this is our triumphant return. I've been working a lot, actually, um, 
Um, I'm still, I'm still working. My job's still going on, but just working from home. Um, but, um, I've been working a lot of, uh, I'm working with a hospital around, um, in Ontario and we're doing, running some projections. So I've been doing a lot of work with, with the virus and, um, just looking at historical trends and, and doing some projections in Excel for that. And we're trying to, um, use some artificial intelligence to, um, to basically predict it and, and, and get the hospitals more aware of what sort of uh, PPE they need. So it's sort of something that's been on the side that I've been, that I've been doing. So that's, but that's all, that's actually something that's been taking up a lot of my time that I would normally be um, like analyzing fantasy baseball. But um, sounds so that's like very similar work to be honest. <laughs> actually it is, you know what I, I was, when I'm doing it, I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself like, the, like you know, like these, um, the, like we always I'm looking at all these curves, like flatten the curve, flatten the curve. And I'm like, you know what? I, I kind of just like, I'm getting sick of looking at all this coronavirus. I want to do the, I want to look at these curves for baseball. I want to look at like Jose Altuve's curve. Like he's flattened the curve for a stolen basis. So if you graft out Jose Altuve's stolen bases over the years, he's flattening the curve. He's yeah, not kind of hoping he's the not, corona, he's coronavirus is going to be a bust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear yeah. you on that. So I guess with the new season, um, like it's a shortened season, um, there's there's so many different there's so many different um, reports that have come out for different divisions. How how are they going to work this season? And you know what? No one really knows. There's the most recent one came out that said that yeah, they're going to use. Um, the same divisions and they're going to play in the home ballparks. I don't buy that. I don't think that could happen. Um, but it's just, a new, it's a new thing every day. I'm just hoping that we get started by July. Um, yeah. um, it's really hard to, to analyze players changing values based on the division. So you look at the, I think the one division that had the Astros and whoever in it, like when they were looking at the, um, the Arizona and my in Florida, the uh, Arizona and Florida uh, plan. Uh, I think there was one division that was just loaded on the pitching. I think I believe it was the division that the Astros were in. So um, that would be reason to maybe avoid like Bregman and or downgrade him a little bit because he was. I think he's facing. I forgot. You know what? I don't remember what pitching. I think it was. I think the Nationals were in that division. So the Nationals have a great pitching staff. So it's they're going to make it a little bit more difficult for them. But really, it's a, it's a free it's a free for all right now. Yeah, um, there was a. There was a group of death as far as hitting there. It was uh, Twins, Braves, Red Sox, and uh, there, was, uh, there was another team, Rays, and then one uh, bottom feeder. But that was, to me, the group of death. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it's hard to really base your draft strategy on that. Maybe, right. I don't know, are you guys are you guys making any changes to what, what, what your decisions are based on potential, these potential new... Uh, plans that could be one, two, maybe three different plans. So, John, for me, I am not drafting based on Arizona and Florida happening. I just don't think it's feasible. It's beyond hot, first of all, in Arizona. And then you've had players speak out about it and not, not wanting to do it. I just can't see the Players Association agreeing to it. I mean, Trout and Kershaw have both spoken out about it. Nobody wants to be away from their families for, you know, three, four months. I mean, I just don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to be, and this is how I've been drafting, I think it's going to be an 80 to 100 game season in their home ballparks. Um, I have no idea what they're going to do for the divisions. I have no idea if there's going to be a universal DH or not, but that's how I'm drafting. I'm drafting as if they're playing in their home ballparks in a shortened season. I'm drafting as if the, and you know what I've done? I haven't done a lot of drafts. I'm drafting as if there is a DH, a universal DH for all, all teams. I think I just, I don't see them given the fact that they're, 
you can't like the the injury any any pitcher getting injured just going to be a big problem. So I think they're going to try to avoid that as much as possible. Yeah, I agree. I think I actually think they'll go too. There'll be there'll be some rule changes, and I think that the universal DH will be in play for this for this season at least. And Which I was is actually interesting for leagues that I mean I'm in a number of leagues where um, positional eligibilities reset at the end of April. Uh, so guys who qualified at first or third or outfield the year before and their full-time DH, um, you know, guys like uh, Solaire and, and guys like that, uh, they're a bit riskier uh, in those leagues um, depending on how many at-bats they get. And if the National League opens up the DH, well, all of a sudden that becomes a big risk in those leagues. Absolutely. Um, the other the other thing that we've talked about before is, is prospects. And I, I think the prospects um, – I'm just going all young now because um, I think prospects are going to be um, are going to be up sooner. I think the shortened season. I think you, I think the team, teams that are going to be all in are going to be all in, and the teams that are going to be all out are going to be all out. So I'm not drafting the Tigers guys anymore, uh, but I am liking a lot of the other prospects and just keeping on the young theme. I'm like like uh, John, you were saying, or uh, um, Trout Trout's. Uh, uh, against uh, being quarantined, Kershaw is too. Do you know what? Just not drafting guys with families. I'm drafting Tatis. I'm drafting um, um, Wander Franco. Anyone that anyone's not married. That's who, that's who I'm drafting. <laughs> I'm joking, obviously, but <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting theory. I've I've heard a lot of interesting theories lately. <laughs> hey, anything anything can happen with this season, right? So. Yeah. Um, so. It, what do you guys think about player overall, like the overall changes in player value, just not any specific players, um, not going to get into it too much, but, um, uh, hitters or pitchers, I think maybe pitchers more so change in value. It's almost like I was saying to Craig, it's almost like you needed to revamp the roto categories, um, as if we had hindsight, but we can't because things basically everything, you know, was wrong. Um, basically, um, basically just do the opposite of what you think, um, before, um, all of this happened. Yeah, to me, if it's if you're talking about making uh, ad- adapting fantasy leagues, it's really about roster construction. Um, you know, daily leagues really are a much more valuable league now. Um, you know, with potentially expanded rosters, you know, in in the majors, it makes sense to have that uh, in fantasy leagues and be able to uh, change your lineups daily to adapt. Now, obviously, there's a lot more of a demand. Uh, to be watching uh, lineup um, postings and things like that. But, um, you know, that's really how you're going to uh, succeed uh, when you're talking about the the amount of players that could be, you know, uh, the variables for day-to-day in the, in the lineups. Um, and, and I tend to think you're right about the – about the prospects getting their, their looks sooner and, and more of them. But uh, what concerns me is that uh, it's really just going to uh, hurt the value of both the prospects and the guys that they'd be eating into because I think they're all going to get at bats. It's going to be incredibly inconsistent. It could be three to four games a week for both parties. And, you know, maybe the top end uh, top players uh, get a, even more of a boost just because of those uh, consistent at bats, even though they're probably going to get rests as well. John, what do you think on that? Yeah, I actually I think Craig made a great point about the daily leagues. Um, somebody that I would draft more so in daily leagues than I would in uh, the weekly leagues like the NFBC, somebody like Ryan Braun, I think if. You know, like we were mentioning, if they do go to Universal DH, now I'm more apt 
to draft him because his numbers on a per game basis are, are really good. And I just, in the weekly leagues, I did not like playing him because I knew he was sitting out, you know, certain games that I just hate when players sit out for no reason, essentially other than rest. So. Yeah, I, I like that call on Braun. I agree with that. If the DH comes into play for the Brewers, that, yeah, yeah, that would that would be big. That would be big for Braun. Uh, I'm yeah. trying to think. I'm trying yeah. to think who else. Um, I was um, so um, what was it? Martinez that was on the uh, Cardinals. He got traded to the um, Jose Martinez. Jose yeah. Martinez, yeah. right? That's a guy that got screwed by this because it would he would have been perfect for the Universal DH if um, St. Louis um, needed one, and then they trade him away. So yeah. he was. Think they wish they could go back and <laughs> yeah, exactly. No? But that, but that actually um, is that, but that's actually um, the the opposite is true for the the rest of their outfielders there. So I think um, you, like well um, Carlson, I think I think he's up right away. Um, uh, I think that, the Cardinals though still benefit because then now you can put Matt Carpenter at DH, uh, and and you get an even better infield defense. You're not putting him out there. You get I mean that infield defense is going to be historically good. Um, if they can keep Carpenter in the lineup, and I, I just think he's he's a little slower than he used to be, and you know you've got, um, you know, just a really great infield and an outfield. I mean, that's going to be an unbelievable. Well, wouldn't defense. you want to maybe use one of your outfielders in the DH spot because you have um, if you, like I'm thinking Carlson's up, and if you have Carlson, Bader, O'Neill, and then you have Fowler, um, uh, you want Bader in center field. Um, because his defense is amazing, um, and then this gives maybe this maybe gives Tyler O'Neill a chance to be the DH. But also, he's I, I I don't know if he's I don't even think he's a bad defender though. He's like he's he's extremely fast as well. So here's a perfect example. This team has got you know not just them. They've got uh, Austin Dean that they picked up from the Marlins. Um, they've got um, gosh, who's the other guy? Uh, Lane Thomas, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, who I actually liked. Uh, going into this year um you know i think he's he he's such a cardinals type player that nobody drafts and then he comes up and ends up getting all the at bats there's always a guy last year it was tommy edmund and you know there's just <laughs> one of those every year for them but um they've got a, uh just a quantity of viable players that they can plug in every day and change the lineup around and, and rest people and i mean the fact is is you know you've got a lot of variables here with um you know the fact that they're this is messing with their uh, preparations uh, of uh, ramping up their activities. So I think organizations are going to want to rest guys even more. Um, you know, the, the, the playoffs, uh, you know, the season's going to be shorter, but uh, you know, they, they have the opportunity now to have fresh players uh, in the playoffs. So a team like the Dodgers, uh, I mean, they, they could finally go into the postseason with like a tremendously fresh roster. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of ways to look at that, but I, I tend to think that there's going to be uh, a lot of mouths to feed. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of teams we can talk about, like even the Padres. I think the Padres, Grisham and Franchi Cordero, both of those guys may have a chance to play now. Um, you can go through you can go through all the teams basically. Like I think even San Francisco, that uh, a guy that I was on before, and then I sort of came off him because they made some other moves was uh, Jalen Davis on the Giants. He had an incredible minor league season. And um, if they have a DH, it might give them a better chance to play or play just as much as anyone else. I don't think anyone's going to have the percentage of playing time as they as they normally would with if this if the season's condensed. Um, so um, any 
anything anything else um, in terms of um, maybe um, John John what about yep. pitching what about pitching um, how does how, how does how does that change the the value of pitchers for you know I know we talked about the DH but pitchers well I think we, Craig actually maybe would be better to answer this because he had a, he had a good good point in our uh, pre recording call but yeah I think a lot of these starters i think again the dodgers somebody with a raw stripling you know there's going to be double headers they're going to need all the pitchers they can get extended rosters but i think raw stripling now is going to get more starts than he normally would in a normal season and i think you got to got to go you got to get guys in fantasy drafts that i think like a higher k per nine is very essential now because you're not getting you know somebody like Sorry, I'm kind of all over the place here, but somebody like Madison Bumgarner for all those years always was well over, always was over 200 Ks because he was throwing 200 innings plus con- consistently. You got somebody like Tyler Glass now. Now he could get to 200 strikeouts, but he might only throw 100 and you know 40, 150 innings. These guys with a higher K per nine because it's going to be a shorter season, so you need to get more stats a lot quicker. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good um, point. I think, uh, John, you alluded to it. Craig, you were saying something before we started recording. Well, just to add to something John just said, um, you know, if these guys are going – so one of the things that's been proposed is if they're doing doubleheaders is seven-inning games. Well, you know, if you've got – even if they don't do that, uh, if if guys like Glass now are not worried about, you know, their going through the lineup a fourth in in time or – you know, they're going to just let loose uh, knowing that they've got uh, more bullpen help, that they've got less innings to throw over the course of the season. Uh, we may see, you know, case per nine that are, you know, off the charts here, um, you know, which probably is going to lead to more injuries. But, um, you know, th- there's, there's certainly I mean, the, the pitching side of this is, is fascinating. And, you know, uh, w- one of the points I think we talked about before that uh, John was alluding to is, uh, you know, one of the, I think the the guys the that lose a lot of value are the innings eaters, the Keikels, the Miles Mikolas, uh, uh, Quintana, Lucchese, guys like that. Um, you know, when you're expanding the rosters and you're and you're you know essentially allowed to bring in more help, these guys become less viable. There's less innings over the course of a season, um, so. You know, uh, even a guy like Kyle Hendricks, who is, you know, always handcuffed to, you know, a, a Robbie Ray type or, you know, a high strikeout, but potentially high ratio guy. Well, his ratio balancing is going to be possibly less um, influential on that uh, when you're not getting that uh, as much bulk innings uh, out of that. Um, yeah, I also think that guys like... Um, you know, the Corbin Burns, you mentioned uh, Stripling, um, Pavetta might be another one, Cal Quantrill. Uh, these guys, uh, I think, are going to have value depending on your league. If you're in a quality start league, they're probably not going to. But, um, you know, if you're in a wins league, um, you know, I, I think these are going to be these guys are really going to um, be identified in roles that are these bulk roles for for decent teams. 
um, and, and could possibly get, get a lot of wins, a lot of strikeouts. For the purposes of what we're talking about, these are draft champion NFBC style leagues. We're talking wins, right? So these, like I, like your point holds that they're they, they, they would lose some value here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, guys like Burns, I mean, I was drafting him back in, uh, um, you know, and I think you and I started doing uh, draft champions in November. Yep. Uh, I was drafting him with the idea that, uh, you know, he could take Brett Anderson's spot and, and just, you know, just drafting him on stuff potential. And uh, now with the way things are unfolding, I feel like he is that perfect uh, two to three inning guy, which it, it's actually funny because uh, I had the Brewers in, in the MLB, the show league that we were doing, and he was just he was like my most valuable player because anytime I just my starter got blew up I would just bring in Burns and he would just allow me to hang in there and you know it's it's uh, there's a lot of these guys around the league uh, on all these teams is you know the the sixth starter I think is going to morph into a bulk guy uh, more often than not Tyler Molly's another one uh, maybe yeah. the uh, Dylan Cease uh, you know I don't know what they're going to do in um in Chicago on, on, you know, with the White Sox rotation, but I think Kopech uh, spends, spends most of the year in, in the bigs. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. He, he seems like uh, a, a particularly interesting case. Like what could, could happen there? I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm, I think he's pretty risky this year. Right. Uh, I think there's one, one guy that uh, in particular, and uh, this might be a good tra- this might be a good transition to um, John and I's draft that we're in right now. Um, can I, the, can um, I ask one thing quick, Zach? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, for a hitter um, with the shortened season, I think a guy like Mondesi needs to be pushed up a little bit. I mean, hmm. he's able to steal 43 bases in 102 games, whereas a guy like VR, for example – which we already, I think everybody kind of already is in agreement that his number is going to come down a little bit. But it, it took him 162 games, full season, to get to 40. So the shortened season, hmm. I think you need to get the guys that can really accumulate the stats big time. Not like only the, the, like it's almost like a on a per you got you got to look at per game more. Yeah. Yep. And and that's also a good transition to our draft because we can look at we can talk we can look at when Montesi went went really early. I didn't even I didn't even notice that until now. I actually still don't. I, I, you know, I I was started to write an article to counter. Uh, Jeff Zimmerman wrote an article just lambasting people citing Mike Matheny's tendencies with the Cardinals as a reason to um, to f- uh, throw shade on on Mondesi and his stolen base attempts. But you know, the fact is, is the guy's coming off two shoulder injuries. Um, you know, and and if there's one thing, you know, in my researching of that article that I noticed is, um, you know, Jeff Zimmerman's point was that stolen bases went down league wide. Well, what ended Flatten up happening? Is, yeah, they would they we're would fl- trade for players. Well, they would trade for players who were runners, and the very next season, uh, they would run halfway through the season. They would he'd, they'd get the the red light all of a sudden. Um, you know, there was Jason Hayward was one of those, uh, there were a few others. Um, but, uh, when Schilt took over all of a sudden you had, uh, Colton Wong was running again. So there, there is some evidence that he was throwing up the red light there. And if I were managing the Royals and, you know, this 
you know, franchise player like Mondesi coming off two shoulder injuries. Whoa, I mean, whoa, do whoa. I want him? Did you just call Mondesi a franchise player? He is right now. Who else is on that roster? <laughs> oh, well, Solaire. Oh, I'd say yeah, Solaire is more of a franchise player. He's going to have a full green light. I mean, there isn't anybody else here. This is what this is how they're gonna they're gonna have to manufacture runs. I mean, to what I mean, they have he and uh, Merrifield at the top of the lineup. I think they're gonna have to run wild in order to manufacture runs. I don't think they're a team that can put together multiple hit innings. On a I agree, I agree with that. I just I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm not in the Montessi camp. Um, yeah, either either you like Montessi or you don't. I'm just saying I think he's going to be a consistent second-round pick with a right. short season. Where was he going before this? Well, I guess this is a good time to compare. We, I, don't, I know I said we'd compare the draft afterwards, but I'm trying to look. He went in the third round. So he went a full round earlier in our draft um, that we're doing right now than the draft that happened in, in December. Yep. So he went. He went uh, second round pick. What was it? Two, four, six, eight, ninth pick in the second round in our draft. And um, he went before Rendon and Devers and uh, Meadows. Like I don't. I just think you're passing up on too much great greatness there for someone that could. Uh, is very risky. Um, and um, not only risky, but someone that's going to that's most likely going to hurt your batting average. That said, I think uh, you. Personally, I'm weighing, I'm weighing batting average less in this shortened season because baseball players are all to some degree streaky, and um, I think you can basically luck out on a on a, a poor batting average profile uh, in an 80 game season, or get unlucky with um. Well, it's more so the other way. I think I think the people that are going to hit for a high batting average probably will, but I think the guys that generally are risky batting averages guys batting average guys could. Um, Pull one, pull a rabbit out of their hat. Well, here, here's another thing with stolen bases. So you've got a shortened season, right? So, and the trade deadline is going to be a fascinating topic. Um, you know, when they figure out what they're going to do there. Um, so now potentially you're going to have more teams, quote unquote, in it, right? Because there's going to be less games back for these middle. You know, do they go for it? Do they? You know, so. Um, you know, and, and there's this perception, I, I kind of did a, a, um, an analysis on this and it was somewhat inconclusive that, you know, uh, teams, competitive teams, uh, are less likely to run into outs, you know, stealing bases. Obviously there are enigmas to that. I mean, the, uh, you know, the Indians have been running like crazy the last few years, but, um, you know, there's some evidence to suggest that, you know, especially in the home run era, that if you're in a race, uh, that your that managers are less likely to, you know, to be green lighting their players. You know, we always talk about that and about guys like um, uh, VR, like, oh, he's on the Orioles. They're going to let him run like crazy. Um, you know, is that going to happen as much with these teams, you know, where you've got half the league that's potentially in it uh, for longer, a longer percentage of the season? Well, the two guys we just talked about, I don't think you're going to have to worry about them being in it. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> I think the I think the Marlins are going to be better than people think. Uh, you know, I think they're one of these teams that are one of these years. They're going to be that pop up team. You know, every every year it seems like like the Twins a couple of years ago they popped up before everybody thought they would be ready. Uh, you know, and and that that happens every year. The Marlins could be one of those teams that does that. Um, I don't. I don't. I think they've got some 
some sneaky good players. And, and I think the other teams in that division, some of them aren't as good as, uh, as a lot of people think they are. Yeah. Right. Now, um, John, can you, um, before we get into the, your team specifically, and I'm just looking at your team, man, you have a nice team here. I really, really like your, I really, really, really like how you've drafted here. Um, just, I like, I like those players. Um, hmm. maybe just, maybe just go over your team and, um, go over your picks. And before that, just maybe just do a brief, um, synopsis of like what the, the second draft, second chance draft champions are in case people that are listening don't, don't know about it. Sure. Yeah. So it's the second dra- chance draft champions through NFBC. So basically what it is, they cut it off for the overall prize, uh, the first set of draft champions. So they opened up another one called the second chance draft champions with a separate overall prize. I think it's 2,500. I think second overall is 1,000. But it's the same format. It's 50, 50 team, 15, or I'm sorry, 50 round, 15 team league. So I had the fifth pick. Um, I went with Mookie Betts. I like it, obviously. I mean, I took him, so I like. I, li- I like it too. And I, think, I, I, mean, and I, and I think in this season, uh, sorry to cut you off there. I think in this season, I think um, the guys like Bellinger and Betts, I think they do have more of a leg up over like the Cole, the Grom, and that those aces, um, just because I think pitching's gonna like. I think more weird stuff's gonna happen with pitching this year, and the hitting is basically the same except prorated for less less at bats. Yeah, yeah. I, I generally try to shy away from teams that switch leagues because they're going to be seeing a lot of their pitchers, uh, a lot of pitchers that they haven't seen on a regular basis. But I do think there is some merit to this new, uh, less travel, new 2020 Major League Baseball season where the West Division is going to be filled with some AL teams and some ML teams. So I think it's kind of obsolete. Um, but I, the big dis- my dis- big decision was, was I going with Cole DeGrom or Betts? And I decided to go with bets. I wanted to get the five categories. Uh, so that's how I started that off. Uh, second round, I took Jack Flaherty, fell to me. I wasn't planning on it. I was uh, pretty much ready to go with Raphael Devers, and Flaherty was still there, so I just grabbed him. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I like, I like him. I like him. I just I wasn't planning on it, but there he was, so I grabbed him. I probably uh, would have done the same thing as you did on those first two picks. Yeah. So my third round pick is a guy that I was not super high on to begin the season. But over the last month, I have become a much bigger fan than I was before. Uh, Jose Altuve. I heard an interview. I think it was Jim Bowden interviewed him and asked him about stolen bases. And he said he was for sure running more. He's over his injury. And with Hinch out of town, um, that kind of boosts his boosts uh, stolen base attempts. I think if he returns to to be this, I don't think he's going to be a thirty stolen base guy over the full season again. I think, he, but I think he can be somewhere again. This I, I draft basically thinking one hundred and sixty two, but I think he can be back to being a twenty five home run, twenty stolen base guy. You know, you're going to get the plus batting average. He's in a loaded lineup. So I think he's got an opportunity to be to once again be a five category player. Good. Uh, yeah. So my f- fourth round pick was Glass. Now, uh, <laughs> kind of what we were saying earlier. I love the K per nine. I think in a shortened season, it's going to be a sprint as opposed to a marathon that increases his value immensely. Pitching for Tampa Bay, obviously a very good team. So 
I think uh, I, I love him as my number two. Fifth round, I took Yohan Mankata. Again, I, I wasn't really planning on taking Mankata, but there he was. I've mostly seen him go in the fourth round, I believe, uh, mid to late fourth round, and he was there in the fifth for me. Again, another guy I think can be a five-category contributor. You took him over Vladimir Guerrero and Chris Bryant, but I'm not saying that's uh, I'm not saying I wouldn't uh, want to done it myself, but I'm just uh, putting some context out there. And it's yep. uh, it's 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 it's, um, it's funny you mentioned that you weren't planning on taking Mancada, and then you weren't planning to taking Flaherty in the second round, and you're planning on taking Devers. So that this is a good example of John going with the draft because he sort of expected to take Flaherty, uh, sorry Devers as their third baseman, and then you weren't expecting to take Moncada and you sort of did a flip and reverse there. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think the White Sox lineup is just, it's much improved. I'm I'm really excited for the White Sox. Actually, I really like their team a lot, what they got going on. Uh, Yeah. So I I think there's another five category guy there. I don't know how much he's going to run. I I mean, I don't think he's going to be like a 30, 40 stolen base guy, but I think, you know, 10 to 15 and I'll take it right there. Right on. Uh, yeah, and I I would take him over uh, Vlad Jr. and Chris Bryant, anyways. So, just for just to let everybody know, <laughs> and you did, and over Machado too, who's listed here as shortstop, but um, obviously third base too. Yeah, I, I think the upside is just so much so much higher for Mankata than uh, the rest of them. Vlad obviously isn't going to get in the run at all. And just hits too many ground balls for my like. I need to see it. I need to see him put that season together before I can invest that high pick in him. Yeah, I hear you on that. Yeah. And, so, and then you, you stuck with the White Sox with your next pick. I did. Jose Abreu. He's uh, sixth round. I love him. I, he's my number three first baseman behind Bellinger and Freeman. I just – I'm a big kind of contrary to what you said earlier – I want to establish my batting average because I know how hard it is to come back from that in a league, first of all. But even as you get progressed through a draft, it just disappears. So I, I, I love the fact that he's got a solid chance to be a four-category player, unlike some of the first basemen that go before him. Yep, I can't really argue with that. I like Abreu. I have him. I have quite a, quite a few shares of him this year. So um, I like that pick. Yeah, so I mean, kind of round it out here. I feel like I'm kind of dragging on a little bit, but Trevor Bauer, uh, round seven again, fell to me. I think Bauer is an interesting guy. I, if you don't solidify ERA and WHIP early, you can't take him. I don't think, but I did solidify it with Flaherty and Glass now, so I thought it was a perfect pick because he's going to get you a high K per nine, pitching on a good Cincinnati team. And I think he's in a contract year, so I think he can. I think he'll put together a, a pretty solid season. I like Bauer a lot this year. I've been taking. I've taken him a lot. Uh, I've sort of cooled on cooled on him a little bit because of the shortened season. But um, like I said, and you know, like what I said about batting average, I didn't mean it in a way that I would avoid. Like I would not want batting average early and targeted. I'm just saying that you you could you could strike gold on guys that are like Joey Gallo, even though I'm not going to draft him. But like that's an example of somebody that could be he could just get he, he could just um, have horseshoes and hit two 
70 this year because it's a shortened season. Now with Bauer, I think it's going to depend on, on divisions and scheduling a lot. And um, he's going to pitch how many games, like 20 games or so. And it's um, high variability there. So he could, he's a guy that could end up having a 250 ERA or a 450 ERA. You don't know. Right. Funny you mentioned. And, And that's why I think that you need to, it's all about who you pair him with. Or yeah. you know, not necessarily pair them, but who who else is in your starting pitching, you know, rotation for you? Because yeah. if you if I don't if, if I hadn't solidified ERA and WHIP, I would never have taken them ever. I wouldn't even have considered them. But because I did, and then to go on to my next pick, I solidified it even more. I love it in the seventh round. I've only really seen him go in the sixth round. Uh, I've even seen him go in the fifth round a couple times. In the seventh round, I couldn't pass him up with what I what I had already established. Yep. Eight, yeah, eighth round, Mike Soroka again, another low ERA, low WHIP guy. I think he's got a chance to get a lot of wins pitching for a good Atlanta team, and I think he's kind of been an interesting guy because I know a lot of people have been kind of down on him just looking at some of his numbers. But are we sure he, he might have another level? I mean, I, I don't think he's done improving, and he's already shown to be a good control pitcher. Again, good team. I think there's a lot of opportunity for wins. And my last pick so far in this draft is round nine. I took Kyle Schwarber. He had a great final two months, even though he plays for the most hated team uh, for me, <laughs> the Cubs. Uh, but, yeah, I, 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 need, I like to get some more power. And this, this is a pick right here, why I like to establish my batting average early, because I don't care if he hits 245. What I need is the 30 home runs. I need the RBIs. I need the runs. I need the counting stats. So, yeah, I mean, that's my that's uh, round on my team right there. I love that. I love how you um, explained your roster construction and, and the logic behind your roster construction, because I uh, not only do I like the players you drafted individually, but I think after you've gone through it now, I've understood how you what your thinking was. And you really drafted a team that that fits well together. When you explained about Bauer, I think your pitching staff, Flaherty, Glasnow, Bauer, Soroka, that's like a well like they complement each other very well in this five by five roto so i think you did i like i love your draft so far i think you might that might be my favorite team i think i like your team more than my team <laughs> I, I honestly do yeah thank yeah i mean that's you know everybody looks, likes to look at rankings and who's the number one who's your number two three so on and so forth but what it comes down to is how you construct your roster and what you know what we're all trying to do here is we're trying to if you t- eliminate all the names just look at the stats look at the numbers and how you it's like a puzzle you got to piece it together just perfect right. can i ask you guys a question about this draft because uh i noticed something that uh that is a, a bit of an enigma here um uh, based on what i saw uh in drafts up till this point uh Closers went later than ever this year in drafts throughout the season. And this is the first draft I've seen where you've got two closers going in the fifth. You've got another two in the sixth. Uh, So they're going off the board here. And and this is actually something, to be honest, I hadn't really considered the fact that each game is going to be worth more. So, you know, does that trend of using your, you know, your – quote unquote closer in the highest leverage situation facing, you know, uh, three, four, five, or are they going to put, save them for the end of the game? I I don't know if that's, uh, do you guys have a thought on that? I thought about it. Um, 
but I, I don't think I've concluded on that. What I what I did do was um, the first I, I the, what I what I first the first thing I did was I worked out the math to determine whether or not those innings of the of these closers, say Kenley Jansen, Ken Giles, are they going to be more impactful on a pro rata basis for um, strikeouts, um, mainly strikeouts? And the answer is no. Um, so uh, like they're still going to contribute in the same ratio for strikeouts. Um, as before so in that way i don't think they add uh, i don't think they gain value from, from accounting accounting stat standpoint but from like what you said is okay are they going to be used in a different way and i think the answer is probably yes but uh, to what extent i don't know uh john uh, yeah i mean i i see hater went off in the fifth I, I've seen him go in the fourth but this is pretty high for yates uh from what i've seen in the middle of the fifth I think in a draft champions with no pickups, I think getting the lockdown closer is pretty important. You need to get at least one. Obviously, I mean, who knows how the season is going to play out. There could be multiple guys getting saves with the doubleheaders. Maybe they only want to throw, you know, your closer in game one, but then there's a save opportunity in game two. I mean, I guess it's all just kind of personal preference. I, I was, if Jose Abreu wouldn't have been there in round six, I was, 100% ready to take Roberto Osuna. That's where I like to take it. First five rounds, I'm not touching a closer. There's just too many, too many good players. I'm yeah, not. Up, so. I, I agree with you, and it's funny. Both of us don't have a closer yet, and I'm, I'm still, I've yet to pick in round nine. And um, a guy that I was um, in my queue, I wasn't sort of, I, went, I hadn't set my mind, I hadn't set my um, target on him for sure. But Hector Neres, he just got taken um, at pick uh, 9.8. So you got all, you got. He's sort of a like is a cutoff point um, with him in my mind. Where afterwards you're sort of getting into the next tier of closer. I think he's sort of the end of a tier, is what I mean. Um, so now um, I got sort of I, I, I'm pick thirteen, and I got two picks coming up soon. And the question is, do I take a closer? And um, I'm still weighing that out in my mind because yeah, I, that and Craig, it's a good it's a good pickup you just had there. That yeah, I can I that's something I noticed for sure is the closers were going early in this draft. Um, it's not the first draft I've done where closers have gone early. I think I've done some other recent ones where, uh, like the ones with Mike DeMouth, um, uh, a couple, uh, one, one was his for sure that closers just went off super early. Um, and there's another one that I remember that closers went up early, but in general, they've been going later, but that's something that I'm really gonna have to think about here, um, with my next pick. Um, so, um, I can just go through the, my picks kind of quickly. Uh, I have to say before you do this, this is a very Zach. Uh, team right here from uh, from top to bottom. So you've you've stayed consistent in in many ways, except for one uh, guy. Except for one guy, I think. Yeah, you know who it is, right? Robert or Robert? Excuse me, or Suarez? Yeah, Suarez. Yeah, yeah, yeah Suarez. I, I, yeah, yeah, and you know what? Okay, so I'll go through it. So round one, my pick thirteen. I got Tatis Jr. Um, uh, you got your. Um, five categories hopefully the batting average is going to be a bit of a risk i think the short season um helps him um just because of uh for injury concerns and for um batting average concerns i think um, I, I think it helps him too because uh there's a better chance that san diego is competitive i think uh, i think they're gonna be competitive i love san diego i love them last year i think they're gonna i think they're going for it yeah i mean they they have more reason to push this year uh now than they did in a full season, you know, uh, where, you know, they're playing for a dynasty, so to speak. 
Uh, so I, I tend to agree with you on Tatis now. I, I've never been a Tatis guy as high as he's been drafted. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm starting to buy it a little bit now. I think the point, like my points are marginal, both the batting average and the injury. Like they're basically going you know, to go either way. But it's it, the, the shortened season definitely doesn't hurt him. In my in my opinion, I think the, the my second pick, which is at pick two two point three, um, this was this might have been a little bit of a surprise to some of the people based on ADP. Where I took Ozzy Albies and I took him over guys like JD Martinez, Bryce Harper, Sterling Marte. Um, I'm an Albies guy, and um, basically, I, I from where I'm picking near the near the turn, I'm picking from pick thirteen. Whoever I'm looking at here. Um, is not coming back to me because I've already had my one. I've already had my first pick in the, on that turn, which is Tatis. I'm like anyone I'm considering is not coming back to me, so I'm just taking the guy I like the best, and it's Albies. Yeah, I I, I love Albies too this year. I think that is the earliest I've seen him pick, but yeah, like you said, he's he's not coming back to you. Um, I looked at ADP. No uh, fucking chance. He's going. No. He's he's going higher and higher. So yeah, yeah like I, yeah, I looked. I think it was yesterday. I looked, and I think it was since the middle of April. He's going in the second round. It's late second round, but obviously if he's going late second round, he's not coming back to you at the end of the third. So, no. And then my third, uh, the guy in the third round uh, that I took uh, at the end of the third uh, was Chris Paddock um, as my pitcher. Um, I figured um, um, I could have taken a pitcher. I could I could have taken Scherzer Verlander um, with that with the pick at the in the second round, but I passed on him and I got Chris Paddock. And I think Chris Paddock does get a bump um, for any sort of like the only sort of thing that could make you feel kind of uncertain about him before was maybe he's not going to pitch you your 210 innings. But now I think he's going to be very much on par with guys like Flaherty and, and, um, Clevenger. Um, um, I just like, I like him. I know, I, I know there are some criticisms, um, with the fact that, um, he basically had a two pitch mix last year, but, um, I've talked about this before. I like him. I like him there at the end of the third. Yeah, I do too. I mean, he's never been bad. If you look at through his all of his minors and everything, he's never been bad. Yeah, and he stayed healthy last year. That was the like that was sort of a good test for him because he he did have a very limited innings last the year before. Um, now the reason I took uh, going back and I'll talk about my um, uh, I'll talk about one, my my one other point on Paddock is the fact that he's uh, there is news on him investing significant time in developing additional pitches, additional weapons for his arsenal. Yes. If, if yeah. he's able to do that, I mean, he's, he'll be top five in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. So I, I, I got two, I got two Padres out of the first three so far. So um, I'm, I'm liking your, I'm liking your idea that they're going to compete and hopefully Paddock's going to get some more wins, but I'm not really banking on it. Now, the reason I took Albies in the second round was um, twofold because I really like him and I think he's going to come. I think, uh, well, I knew he wasn't going to come back, but also, and I've said this before, um, Around that end of third round, really by the end of the third round at this point, uh, maybe into the early fourth, um, if you don't get a second baseman, if you don't get Albies, um, well, I don't want VR. Um, if you don't get Albies, Galiber Torres, Altuve, Hira, uh, Kettle Marte, you're really, I don't like any of the second base options for a while. I think you're going to be really stuck for second base. So I, I personally, I really want to get a second baseman before the end of the fourth round, depending on where I'm picking. Um, and um, I figured that there was a good chance that um, by the end of the third, Kendall Marte wasn't going to be there. Um, so that's why I took Ozzy Albies in the second round. 
one of the reasons. But Marte ended up falling. I call it falling to the pick 4.3. So I took him there. Um, I can use him in the outfield too. That's why I love. That's why I love the position flexibility of Kettle Marte. I've seen him go now in the third round, a um, um, couple drafts. But um, now he's he's now my um, he's he can, he's, he's probably now my outfield one. This to me was the the thing that on this page that stood out more than anything because, I mean, when I last draft I did, you know, he was consistently going beginning of the third round, and I mean the third round started the way it should, uh, you know, where you had the, the the run on second base and and then all of a sudden Marte uh, Hira dropped to the middle of the fourth yeah. round. I mean, what is happening here? Um, you know, and it, I guess it's because pitchers got pushed up, uh, Kershaw middle of the third paddock, you took him, uh, and I get that. Um, but you know, I've just, that is insane value where you got him. And it wouldn't have been insane in November or December. It would have been normal, but then he's got, he got pushed up quite a bit, um, in the, in the, like in, as draft season went on. Right. Yeah. I wonder if this has anything to do with the Starling Marte trade, if there's some kind of, I mean, I wouldn't have thought that anybody would come up with a reason to devalue him. To me, he gets more value if he's consistently playing second base and he's not running around in center field. Well, you know, there's less chance of injury. Uh, he's got another really solid um, bat, consistent bat in, in the lineup for him. Uh, to me, his value only goes up. <laughs> right. So after that, um, I took in the fifth, the fifth round came back to me and who was I looking at here? Who could I have taken? I was actually looking at Marcelo Azuna who went, um, four picks later, but it seemed a bit early. Um, and yeah, I could have probably taken him, but, um, I took Louis, Ro- Louis Robert in the fifth round. Uh, don't know what pick it was. I think it was like 70 pick 73. Um, I think I think um, like again the shortened season helps his um, variability in batting average um, the same way with Tatis but maybe more important for Robert. Um, also, I wanted to get some. I wanted to solidify stolen bases as we, as we all know they dry up. So the the power speed combo. Um, um, I feel like um, Marte and Albies. I'm confident in their batting averages and I think they're going to be very steady for me. So I think Tatis and Robert. I was I was comfortable with the level of risk there. Um, uh, with Robert Pick, um, and then when I came back around, this was sort of a tough one. I took someone that I, I don't have, I don't have any shares of, which is uh, as we alluded to, Eugenio Suarez. Um, I think he's going to um, solidify some, solidify uh, some of the power and um, power for me. And I'm and I might uh, I might miss on guys. Um, I'm thinking I'm probably going to miss on those power guys later, like like John took Schwarber, and I'm probably going to miss on Franville Reyes. Has he, has he been picked yet? Yeah, he's gone. He went uh, round seven. Oh, yeah. I was thinking he might even be left because I honestly haven't been paying attention too much to this, like to the the players that have been taken um, in this draft. Um, I'm just looking at who's left, and um, I I thought maybe he'd be left at this point, but um, no, I guess not. He was taken in in round seven? Yeah. Holy shit. He, he was taken before. You wouldn't even. You wouldn't even. You didn't have a chance to get him in round seven. So you would have had to have taken him. Taken him in round six. Which... Oh, he, yeah. So I okay. So I took. I, I made. I think the right decision there. I t- I'll take Suarez over um, Fran Mill. Um, um, but um, 
Sorry, I just said I'm on deck, so it just threw me off. But um, I know I'm probably going to miss on those guys later because I know I need my closer. I know I need my catcher, and it's going to be tough to, to to grab those those power guys I like in these next couple of rounds. So I took Suarez there knowing that um, I want Miguel Sano, um, and um, I figured I, I'm going to try and target him where I targeted him. Um, where I got him in round eight, which I did get him. I'm skipping a pick, but I did I did end up getting Sano, so I did double up on that third base uh, um, third base position. However, um, Sano um, can be used at first base pretty soon, I'm sure. So he's gonna he's yeah. Sano's Sano's really gonna be my first baseman in this scenario. Um, as I got him in round eight, after I took Julio Arias in round seven. Now my the guys I was sort of looking at there were. Um, in this in this range, I'm looking at Julio Urias. I'm looking at looking at Luzardo. I'm looking at um, Sano, Donaldson, Ozuna. Those are ty- those are the type of guys I want to target in, with these picks. Um, now I did I did end up getting Urias and Sano, and um, I did. Um, I know I'm jumping around a lot here, but uh, my th- like again, just to summarize, my three picks were Suarez, Urias, and Sano. When I was pick- looking at the Su- uh, Su- Suarez pick, I was considering Luzardo at pick, what was it, like 78? But I figured that's a bit early. Like, And I think Craig shares my thoughts on this, and I, I'm, I'm probably stealing some of his ideas here. Or I think we share some of the ideas. Like just on a comparison basis, I'm like, I'll pass on Luzardo because I, I think Luzardo and Urias are very, very similar. I'd much rather get Urias like two rounds later, which – happened i ended up reaching for him a bit at pick like in the late seven late late round seven but i think lazard and urias are very similar so i'd rather just get the value of urias and that was that's what i was doing all throughout the early draft season because urias was going like in the 140s 150s uh in the early draft season, and whereas Lazardo was going around 120 so i'm like i'll take the 30 pick discount on urias every day so i got very little Lazardo, a lot of urias um yeah, I mean, I, you know, honest, I'm, I'm off both those guys. Uh, I love the talent without a question. I mean, I think they're two of the biggest upcoming, brightest starting pitchers we have in the game. I just worry about can they go five innings? Can they get wins for you? I'm a little nervous about that. I, I think I understand that the innings limit isn't really an issue anymore. But there's, it's not like they're all of a sudden going to start going seven innings, you know, six innings. I think, I think five innings is going to be kind of a stretch in some of the some of their games, especially early in the, you know, early in the season. Okay, here's a question I have I haven't brought up yet on any of the podcasts, and I sort of just thought about it over the last couple couple days. So take somebody like Urias, like we've been talking about him. Under normal circumstances, what would you what would you what would you guys say the Dodgers would target for his innings in a 162 game season? 140. Yeah, that's that's that that's what I would say, Craig. I would have said maybe a little higher. Um, you know, especially with Ryu uh, in Toronto and Maeda in Minnesota, I feel like they're. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't have gone much higher. Maybe you know between 150 and one, eh, 150. Uh, what did you say? 140. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say. You know, they yeah, have uh, less. I think I'm in that range. Now. I think we're 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 splitting hairs at this point, anyways. Yeah. I think it, just around that. Now, think ahead to 2021. What do you think? What What do you think their goal is for 2021? Like, assuming your IS is going to be the next 
your next player that's going to be the the, uh, the second in line to Walker Bueller in the rotation eventually. Um, I, personally, I think they're going to want to build him up to like about 180 in 2021, right? So but I guess what I'm getting at here is I think I, I'm afraid that um, as drafters were, fa- were falsely um, getting into the sense that these pl- these players like Urias and Lazardo, and this is sort of to counter John's argument, playing devil's advocate, I think we're falsely getting the sense that they're not going to pitch a lot of innings because really like if they're going to go four innings at a time, they're not going to build up enough innings to make that next leap next year. And that's, that's just uh, sort of a dev we're playing devil's advocate here. I, I, I don't, I don't uh, disagree with what John said, but I, on the same token, I think like you can't really, I think, I think it's something they need to consider here that like the, the, like the, 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 I guess the the ramp up to what you want to get these pitchers to for their careers, not just this year. Yeah, no, I, I, and I agree with that. Um, I'm just thinking because it's already a shortened season. I'm I'm saying like maybe the first month they don't throw, you know, they throw four, maybe five innings tops. Okay, yeah, I see, I, I see that, but you know, what I mean, they like, still got to work their way up. Maybe by the end of the, you know, end of the eighty to hundred game schedule, they're throwing six innings. Which is great, but you've missed out on the first, you know, the, you're only getting, what, maybe 15 starts, 12 to 15 starts out of them? Yeah, but I think we're, I think we're, I think, I think inevitably, um, regardless of whether or not we agree on anything that we just talked about, I think you're going to see the same inning concerns. Um, I know it's not a relevant point now, but you're going to see the same inning concerns next year because of this, like Tyler Glass now. You're going to have, you're going to have, you're not going to, you know, there's no way you're going to, peg him to over 200 innings next year, regardless of what happens this year, right? Oh, yeah, no. No, not at all. So this, is, mean, this, is, this is a report. Urias, like his, his, the most innings he's thrown was last year, he threw 79. Right. So over a full campaign, I, I think 140 is, would be his, I think what his max would be. Yeah, I, actually, I, I, that, I think it's in that ballpark. That's a point I had not even considered yet, the fact that everybody's innings are going to have to be tiered for the following year because of the reduction thrown this year. Um, that's, that's an interesting point. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm uh, just, just to finish this off here, I'm, I'm on deck here and you know what, well, we were talking and Nick Anderson went, which is actually, I'm thinking, you know, that, that's a guy I really like as well now, just because there's so much, un- there's so much like jumbled up uncertainty with these relievers as we were talking about. And I think that he already had that, but I think the, le- the playing field is now leveled uh, with him and someone else. So I think I really like Nick Anderson because uh, he's going to get, he's going to get you the, as you know, the ratios. But now I think the fact that like the uncertainty, his, his uncertainty in cumul- accumulating saves is now shared with a lot of other players that are now like in his tier. So I, I like him there. I'm sort of, he's sort of got one guy I looked over here. Now, a guy I'm looking at, and this is somebody that I've, uh, uh, like Craig said, this is a very Zach team, which I which I agree, other than Suarez. <laughs> is, this next pick might be someone that's not my guy at all, but given the the shortened season, like I've said, like I think the playing field is going to be more level with, like, um, you talked about, like Craig, you talked about the Tyler Mollies. These guys are going to gain value. Shohei Otani's still here. Uh, with this with with uh, at, at pick um, 133, a little bit after his ADP, and he's a guy that I've been completely off of. But given my team construction, and if I don't take a closer here, um, I have Paddock and Arias. Um, would Otani be someone I I want to take because he sort of fill he sort of fits in that 
high upside, um, probably going to get you good ratios and strikeouts per inning. But he's not going to be that guy that's going to maybe get a lot of inning, like a lot of wins. But I don't know. He might be like there might be a lot of sixth guys in the rotation. So I think he's I think he's someone that and along with the fact that he's going to have more time to recover. Um, I think he's somebody that I think he's somebody that's a winner of this shortened season. What do you guys think? I know, now, John. Before you uh, give your opinion, remind me uh, in NFBC, you can use him as one or the other, right? I I don't yeah. think he has pitching eligibility yet, though, does he? No, he does. He's got utility and pitching only. And yeah, you have to start him if you want him to be a pit, start him as a pitcher. You got to start him at the beginning of the week. And he um, is the whole week. Yeah. Um, yep. Yep. And you can't put him as hitter at all then that week. Gotcha. Yeah, it's one, it's one or the other. Yeah, you can't you can't switch him midweek. Gotcha. So um, um, unless unless you he's a don't start him guy. as a pitcher. Oh no. And then you could start him as a hitter for let's say you want him to sit Monday through Thursday. You could start him as a hitter Friday through Sunday. But that's only if you have him on your bench to start the week. Now I'm I'm what I, what I'm thinking here is I'm really afraid that if I pass on closers at pick one thirty three and one thirty eight. Coming back at 163 and 168, I'm going to be fucked, I think. So well, I'm kind of glad you didn't take Nick Anderson. I mean, that I, I don't know that I'll ever draft another race closer. It's, I've been, this is another place I've been burned. I mean, yeah. you know, it's an embarrassment of riches there, and, and there's just more of them coming too. Um, you know, and they just, they, there's, their philosophy is there's never enough. So they just keep trading for these guys who are just, <laughs> And, and an expanded uh, roster access to more um, roster slot. I mean, it's going to be uh, you. You're never going to know who's going to close out games in Tampa this year, in, in my opinion. Yeah, they, they have so many options. It's and and that's the way they do it too. You know that they were the creators of the opener and it's just yeah. It, it, if I'm up against the wall, I'll be fine taking them. But I don't. I'm not. I'm not wanting to rely on him. Essentially, yeah. Like he went right after Hector Neris, and I would take Hector Neris without a question over him. Yeah, so would I. I think like like I said, Neris is the end of that tier for me. But I just don't really see anyone I like, and I'm looking at some of the catchers like Wilson, like uh, Garver was taken, but Contreras is still there. I I don't like like I think catchers get devalued with um the new um shortened season. I think they just probably going to play less games. Yeah, I'm I'm on catcher guy anyways, anyways, so. I mean, right. do you think you think that uh, the teams are going to start carrying three standard because of all the doubleheaders? And um, uh, I don't know. I, that I don't know. Uh, it means a lot more. I mean, with a DH, obviously, you're not uh, worrying about uh, as many um, you know lineup changes within game. Um, but if I still feel like there could be a lot more. Um, days off for top end catchers. Um, I don't know. I wanted to ask you though, uh, about the Urias pick, if, if, if I could, the Urias pick, you know, I've been one of the biggest, um, you know, I've been all over Urias all, 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 uh, draft season. And, um, I don't necessarily think you took him early, but I'm curious about the guys you passed on, uh, to take him ahead of, which uh, I'll just throw out some names. Uh, Sonny Gray. Um, I understand James Paxson, but you've got uh, a bunch of guys here that have gone before him all draft season in Zach Gallen, 
Denelson Lamette, and Max Freed. And I was just curious um, why you took Urias over those guys. Um, well, I'll, I'll start with Lamette. I love I love Lamette. I've taken him. A lot, I've taken a lot of him. A lot of him. Um, I was in fact hoping he might. Uh, no, nah, he wasn't going to fall. But um, I think the only thing Lamette has over Urias is strikeout per nine. I think Urias is just a better pitcher overall, and I think Urias is going to be a, a plus nine per nine strikeout guy. Uh, Lamette might be a 10, 11, but uh, I think that's the only thing he has on him. I think Urias is clearly um, ahead of Lamette um, going into this year. Um, I don't know if I've explained that. I don't. I don't know if I've explained myself. I just think he's better, and I think uh, they both have. They both. They both sort of fit into that innings limited uh, profile before the before the shortened season was a certainty. Um, another guy, Sonny Gray. Um, I was never huge on Sonny Gray um, before last year. I just think he has a spotty track record. Not I'm, I, he's a guy that I have no shares of. Um, I did I did look at him and he was I did look at him the same way I looked at Josh Bell when I took Sano over Josh Bell, but um, I think uh, just the shortened season uh, really I think it really plays into the fact to get these higher upside guys that um, that are going to get you the the the, the 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 per game the per game stats on a on a better ratio. Um, yeah, Sonny. I, I know Sonny Gray. That I, 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 I was a tough decision to pass on him, but um, I just, I just have more faith in Urias. I think I, I just, I'm just, I'm just, um, I'm, I'm putting my faith in Urias this year. Yeah, I have more shares of him than I think any other player uh, this season. Julio <laughs> uh, Urias, you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have him everywhere. Uh, probably because I'm in a lot more uh, keeper and dynasty leagues uh, this year, but. Um, I think uh, I, I'm I'm on board with him too. I, I tend to lump those guys in together: Montas, uh, Urias, um, Luzardo, Denelson, Lamette. Uh, yep. Obviously, these are all the guys who are, you know, were people were worried about how many innings they would throw, you know, either because they were coming off injuries or Dodgeritis or whatever else. But um, you know, of those guys, I, I tend to agree with you what you said earlier. Luzardo kind of worries me where he's he seems to be going like this to me was too high for Luzardo. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think um, I think he's been I think what what I feel has happened is these guys have been pushed up like a pro rata amount of average draft position. So um Lizardo's was going in the one twenties. Now people have pushed him up, pushed him up into the seventies, and then Urias has been going yeah. in the one fifties, and they pushed him up to like one hundred and ten or one hundred or hundred in this case where I took him. Whereas I think, like what what, I, what I'm trying to say is they're just getting pushed up an equal amount of spots. Whereas people aren't. I don't think people are really considering that they're very similar. Like I think they should be valued very similarly now, and they're just they're just taking the math and adding draft positions. <laughs> Yeah, Lazardo right now, since April 15th, in the 15-team leagues, he's gone uh, on average 74, as early as 62. <laughs> the hype train is just insane in my eyes. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's too it's too much. Like, who did I, like, I, I just, like you said, it's the same thing as a close, like, it's the same thing as your closer argument, John. There's just too many good players, like, really, really good players to take, um, to pass on for Lazardo. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, you want to take a look at the? Uh, you want to? You want to? Do you have any other comparisons to the draft that? Um, well, not other, but do I? We're like I know we've talked about some comparisons to the draft we did in December. Like what stuck out to you, John? Um, the one thing that um, and I'll, I'll give you the floor here after I say this. The one other thing that we sort of didn't touch on is Bobichet at pick uh, three, like three point ten or whatever it was, or three nine. Three point nine, yeah. Three three point nine, yeah. He, he like obviously he's getting pushed up. I don't think it's a really I don't think it's earth shattering news that Bo is um, getting pushed up in drafts now. Um, but, um, that's like, like, I'm just going to look at the other draft. Where did he go? He went, um, oh, he did go, he went in the early fourth round. So he went early in that draft as well. So that's, I think that was, that was atypical for a draft in December where Bichette would yeah. go, would go 4.3. Yeah, for sure. I was seeing him mostly in the fifth rounds, uh, in the early drafts. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think one of the biggest takeaways I've seen is just the starting pitching, um, you know, when you're drafting early, almost everybody's healthy, or at least there's positive reports on everybody. And, you know, you see, like, look, like, look at all the players that have gotten hurt since, you know, that early draft. Chris Sale, out for, for sure. the year. Syndergaard, out for the year. Severino, out well, for let's, the year. Let's, let's, t- let's tell everyone where they went. I'm trying to look. Sale. Yeah. So, so Sale went in the third round. Uh, Severino went towards the end of the fourth round. Syndergaard went in the fifth round. That's where they were consistently going. And, and this was before the Paxton injury. He went in the sixth round. And guess what? Well, let's let's compare. Paxton went in the middle of the sixth round, and he went. He's in the uh, eighth. In he went in the eighth round. So he's still getting. Maybe there is still a little bit of value in Paxton. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I like Paxton a lot more now. I mean, he's going to be healthy. I think by the time the season starts, so I mean, I don't think he's ever going to be healthy ever. Yeah, problem now. <laughs> you know, problem there's, there's a pitcher still on the board here um, that, and it kind of one of the points I jotted down, kind of when we were talking about these teams that have the bulk guys, the the Corbin Burns, Nick Pavetta, Cal Quantrill, these these starters slash uh, Tyler Molly, the sixth starter slash potential long relief guys. I don't. I feel like a team that doesn't have that is the Texas Rangers. And to me, in a shortened season where you could play a lot of games with with how pitchers are used, uh, I don't know that Texas has the same um, flexibility that these other teams do. So I feel like guys, uh, you know, Kluber, if he comes back, uh, Lance Lynn, who is a favorite of mine all draft season, I like him even more now. Because I feel like they're, he is going to be a horse for them. They're going to, and, and you know, the other thing is they're going to let these guys go. Um, they're not a team that really does that type of, you know, the the raise uh, type game where they're where they're you know doing, you know, kind of new age, uh, you know, uh, pitching staff strategies. Uh, they tend to let their guys go. So. I think Lance Lynn, uh, Mike Miner, I'm not a huge fan of his, but I still feel like there's still some value there. Uh, and even Gibson and Lyles, to me, uh, has some value. Yeah, I definitely like Lance Lynn. Um, I, I'm kind of off the other guys. Uh, but, I, yeah, I had Lance Lynn last year in my main event team, and I just I love watching him pitch. I mean, the guy competes. He'll be through four innings with 80 pitches, and he'll still scratch out six innings, just dripping sweat throwing all fastballs it looks like it's just 
I love watching him pitch. He looks like a throwback to the eighties too. You know, he's just a big guy out there. <laughs> just, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm <laughs> like back in time or something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, but yeah, no, but I do agree that like they're, they're a team that they don't have really a six, like they have a solid five. So I agree yes. with what you're saying there, Craig. So they're going to get a, a maybe potentially a higher percentage of of innings logged than a lot of starters who you know might get rested a lot more uh, by their teams, especially if they're you know projected to be a playoff team. Uh, I think these guys are going to go. So that's, you're basing that on the assumption that that a lot of teams are going to go with a six man rotation. Then a six man rotation or less innings per start. I mean, they've got the guys to do that. So, but, I mean, either way they're hold losing up a second, innings. Though, because you're, because you're, you're less innings per start based on the fact that you said they don't have a six guy. So you're saying that pitchers are going to throw less innings per start. If there's, um, if there's a six, like, I guess, starter type guy that could eat up those innings, like the, the fifth, sixth, seventh innings. But really just because they don't, just because Texas doesn't have that sixth, like potential starter doesn't mean that someone else in that bullpen is not going to be eating up those same innings. It doesn't have to be a six starter type guy, right? Yeah. They don't have as deep a bullpen as a lot of other teams though. I mean, so, you know, when you're, I feel like a lot of these teams aren't going to have to have a bullpen game like, like they did last year when they've got these, you know, long, these long relief guys. I mean, it isn't going to be, you know, seven pitchers a game or, you know, even five, um, you know, they, they can reach down into the minors and bring guys up. Uh, you know, I'm not sure Texas has the resources to be able to do what these other teams are going to be able to do. Uh, so that, that's kind of what, whether it's shorter starts or, uh, less starts, I think the, the outcome is still the same. Now, obviously if you're setting a weekly lineup, um, you know, you'd still benefit from a two start week, but, uh, so there is that differential, but I think when you're looking at the end of the year and you look at the amount of innings thrown, I think there's the potential for these Texas guys to have, to be up there in, in innings count. Right on. So John, anything else you want to point out in this, um, like, I guess differences, um, we don't, we were talking about the pitching, uh, yeah, and yeah, somehow so we got, we got, uh, we got into this talk, but. Um, yeah, going so, back. so it's not just the fact that the starting those starting pitchers are removed from the pool. It's the fact that the rest of them all get pushed up now because there is less, you know, less of them. So guys, you like in a 15 team league, if I was in the first first three picks, I loved going three hitters um, because I loved the pitchers that you could get in the on the four or five turn. I loved guys like you, Darvish, Glasnow, mm-hmm. even Syndergaard. Uh, Charlie Morton. I, I was a big fan of all those guys. So I love going the three three big hitters and then double tapping on that four or five turn. Well, now you can't you can't really afford to go with three hitters because if you look in the fourth round of our draft right now, you know you have Charlie Morton going the first pick of the fourth round. Darvish was going the middle of the fourth round. Glass now middle of the fourth round. Corbin middle of the fourth round. Kershaw is going in the third now. Paddock in the third. The four or five turn just isn't there with like what it used to be. You got you got some similar players in this draft. You got you got Flaherty and Glasnow in this draft is in the in the earlier draft. What's that, Zach? You got you got Flaherty and Glasnow in the in the earlier draft as well. I'm looking at the board. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. Same two picks. You got you got Albies in the, in the third round. Of the fifth. 
That's yeah. one. Of, that's one of the later picks I've seen Albies go. You got him at pick three point nine. That was back in December. Like that's not happening anymore. No, not even close. Uh, yeah, I I was seeing Albies go towards the end of the third. Actually, back then too. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, so I, I look at the pitchers. Like the pitch if I had to pick like thirty-seven through forty-two, he'd always be my target in that range, and that's just eliminated now. Yeah. Yep, you gotta get, you gotta take him. You gotta take him early now if you want him. Um, yeah, yeah been defending. That was the main takeaway that I saw. Like where where the starting pitchers were going with less of them, it's becoming more of a need. Uh, yeah, so I mean that's that's kind of what I what, the biggest takeaway I had. Same same guy in this draft got um, Lazardo and Urias in round ten and twelve. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys, those guys are definitely uh, shooting up the draft boards, and understandably too. Jeez, this I'm just I'm, I haven't really taken a close look at this draft for for months, but this guy got this is his pitching staff. He's got Giolito, Carrasco, and then he's got Lazardo, Urias, Cole Hamels, AJ Puck, Kopech, Josh James. Like he has all these Pomeranz, um, all these guys at least. Um, Jonathan Loisiga. Um, He's got like a lot of guys that are um, that would benefit from the shortened season, so he sort of got uh, fortunate. I mean that that could be a good strategy, but the, but the fact that there's been so much helium, I feel like at the beginning of this um, pandemic, that you know it, when you were getting a little more value than that worked. But then we all started talking about this fact, and and there was so much helium that went into that. But you know if you Take, do that strategy in a draft champions where there's no pickups. You better make sure that you are picking a ton of starters later in the draft because, you know, there still is the potential for, you know, these guys to, especially um, on teams with, with deep starters, that they, they are going to get rested quite a bit. Um, I, I, I don't think that risk is gone. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you look at a guy like Charlie Morton in the early draft, he went pick 74. That was from de- that draft is from December 27th. And our draft today, he went 46th. Wow. It's funny though, we don't talk about Paddock the same way we do those other guys and and I think it's um I I mean, I tend to agree that we shouldn't because I think he is going to be a workhorse for them. Um you know, and I don't think there's as much risk associated, even though that is a franchise that has uh, plenty of pitchers. I mean, they're going to let Garrett Richards throw his arm off this year. They're on record having said that <laughs> um, they, you know, they've got, uh, you know, I feel like they would rest Lamette before they uh, they put another um significant cap on paddock i think they're yeah i think take- they got like garrett richards throwing a ball against the wall as we speak because they don't think i don't think they can get his arm to fall off in like uh, in 80 to 100 games so like garrett go throw the ball like just th- we, want, we want you to throw 100 pitches uh, every day until the season starts i actually like richards this year i i uh some of the reports uh on on his stuff in spring were, were pretty positive um oh yeah no i no i'm i'm i like richards too i like him this year He's the Charlie I, I was Brown just, I was football for me. I just I always fall for this, and Lucy pulls the football, and I end up flat on my back. That's Garrett Richards for me. Uh, I think me and Paul Sporer are just constantly falling for this one. So. 
So I'm going to go back to the well. Anything else to note before we move on to um, our fun little game here of uh, sleeper bust, whiff, comeback, and relief pitcher? The one thing I would say on, on Miguel Sano, um, you know. I'm going to go to the bathroom quick, guys. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I think is, is interesting with the Twins is the youth that they have to call upon. You know, with Trevor Larnich, you've got um, Kirilov. Uh, I mean, they've got guys that are ready. Um, and, you know, there's a potential that the Twins are going to run away with this division, even in a shortened season, depending if that is the division. So I guess that's the caveat here. But, um, you know, I, I, I certainly don't think Sano, uh, that you took him earlier than he should go. But I, I wonder if they're going to be cycling him into DH and giving uh, Cruz more rest. I, I don't know what's going to happen there with that. But um, they are they are a fascinating team this year too, just because of the potential that these guys that they could be carrying a lot of them and have, and, and give them at bats earlier than a lot of people thought. Yeah, no, I love the Twins. I've been trying to stack. I've stacked them in, in a number of places. Uh, Sano, Donaldson, Garver. I like I like them. Um, those are the three guys that I tend to target. Um, not so, no, I'm not so big on where um, um, it's been a while since I've talked about drafts, but uh, the name's escaping me. There are other outfield. Eddie Rosario. I'm not so big on where he's going relative to um, his peers. Um, I've, he's, ten, he's, he's a fade of mine, um, like uh, where he's going. I don't own him. I, I haven't drafted him anywhere, but uh, you know, he's usually when I'm ready to take him is about when he goes. Um, I do. I actually think he's somewhat underrated, um, and you know, to me, he he's always been a guy I've been looking at. They've discussed trading him um, because they've got all this youth coming up. And I don't know what that does to his value, but um, you know, it would be surprising to see them trade him at this point. Right on. We got John back or not? Yeah, I'm back. All right. Cool. All right, so now what? What I hey, first of all, are you are you? How do you guys feel about Donald Trump? Are you guys, uh, fan, like, I, I know you guys. I'm from Canada, so he's not my president. Um, how do you guys? I know we don't we don't want to make this a political thing, but um, are you guys I fans? Mind, I don't mind going on record that I am a big fan. You are. Um, a- I know you're not. Um, <laughs> I I, t- I tend to think that. Uh, you know, we, we all agreed that politicians for the last however many years were all crooked and dishonest. And now you got a president who's going in there and, you know, they all hate him. And but we all agree that they're all crooked and terrible people. And they all hate this guy because he's going after them. To me, you know, if you're cleaning up the system, which appears to be happening, um, you know, I think that's the first step to fixing a lot of the problems. But I'm not going to get into that. Sorry, go ahead, John. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I'm a supporter of his policies. I don't really like all the tweeting and stuff, but that's. Well, I got good news for you guys because I'm I'm not here to talk about his politics, but I'm 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 here to 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 um, to, to, to try and guess at what Donald Trump would say. Um, who his sleeper is, who his bust is, who a guy that he whiffed on is who his comeback player is and who his favorite relief pitcher is. Now, <laughs> um, 
I'm 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 not going to do a good. I don't have a good impression of him. Like so, I'm not a, I'm not a voice guy, but I am going to. Um, you can picture how you can picture his voice in terms of how I'm going to say it. So when we go through these players, I'm going to I'm trying to get in his head. And since you guys are such big fans of him, I'm going to uh, I'm going to um, try to. It's not me who's saying this. this is going to be Donald um, talking and. Um, telling you how he like he's a big fantasy baseball guy so obviously uh so he'll be he'll be discussing players in 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 terms of how his brain works so um let's start with that like i said we're gonna we're gonna get and we're gonna talk about these players not so much with respect to the 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 term sleeper quote unquote but just i guess guys relative like if you if you take drafting now versus before so who's a who's a player whose value now is really good when we talk about a sleeper whose value now that you don't like the value under this new under under this new drafting world would be our bust who's now when we talk about a whiff player that you drafted like pre-pandemic a player that you wouldn't draft anymore now so a player that you're sort of soured on like i guess over time and then a comeback player this doesn't really this doesn't really have a difference between now or before. Um, and then um, your favorite uh, relief pitcher target. So I guess your favorite closer that you've been targeting could be uh, top tier, could be a sleeper way up, way down in the draft. Um, uh, pick your poison. So I think we'll start with the player that you really like now. Uh, we'll call it our sleeper and we'll start with John. Go ahead. Uh, I like Nick Senzel. Um, just where, where he's going, you know, his ADP is, 214, 14th round. I think it's as good a time as any to take a shot on a guy. It could be a five-category producer. Top prospect. Got a taste of the big leagues last year. Yes, he's had some injury issues, but I think that's I think his draft price is actually because of those those injury issues. I think if he was healthy, I think he's going top 10 rounds for sure. And I think round 14, is it's going to be tough to find a five-category producer there, and I think he could potentially do that. I like it. I like I like the I like I like as you he seems like a guy that I would like because he's a high risk high reward guy in the shortened season. So um, I, I I share your thoughts, Craig. Who's who's a guy that you love? Um, you know, a guy that I am coming around on. Um, I'm, I I, I want to talk about one of them, but uh, you know, everybody's on him, and he's not certainly not a sleeper. It, it, it's killing me because I'm getting a little FOMO on this guy, but that, that's Fran Mill Reyes. But uh, I don't own him anywhere, and it's frustrating to me. But I'm not going to talk about him. Guy I want to talk about is Ryan McMahon, and obviously with the caveat here that uh, you know whether they play in Colorado or not. But um, you know, I, you you know I'm on record just being off, not just Colorado pitchers, but Colorado hitters, just because of the way they are running that organization does not instill any faith in, in, I mean, they're just, they're not, uh, developing prospects the way they should. They're not, uh, allowing them to develop uh, up at the majors, but, uh, Ryan McMahon, uh, really had a, a, a great second half last season, uh, and his, you know, underlying metrics suggest that, um, once he started playing regularly and they stopped messing with him, that he did what we thought he was going to do. And uh, I think he's getting devalued a little bit because of this fear of, you know, is Garrett Hampson going to cut into him there? Uh, you know, I mean, you could go down the roster and talk about the fallout from Hilliard playing more. And 
Um, but I actually think McMahon is – this is going to be the year that he kind of settles into a role that um, that possibly DJ LeMahieu had for all those years, uh, that he becomes a guy like that for them that is – uh, you know, yeah, I mean, he could be a table setter there. Uh, I know they've talked about David Dahl at the top of the lineup. Um, but, uh, I, I've, I've kind of come around on McMahon and I'm starting to, to pick him up place more, uh, than I had been uh, earlier in the season. I like that. I actually like that pick too. Um, dual eligibility. And I think you could put, I like Hampson too. I think you, what they should do is they should be putting Hampson in the outfield and, being done with the Ian Desmond experience, <laughs> just just have have him be bench depth. I mean, there's no need, to, no reason to give him everyday bats, but it's also the Rockies, so they, they had they would have to admit they were wrong then, and I just don't see that happening. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> They'd have to admit they know what they're doing and had an actual plan, rather than I don't know what the heck they're doing. Because, but I think this is a whole can of worms that we could open with the DH and the the divisions and the home parks, the Rockies. I think like there's a whole uh, there's a whole can of worms to open with all the all their different players. You can talk about many of them, right? Can I, can I cheat and give an alternate pick too for this one? Because there's another guy too that I think is in the same exact situation that is devalued because people who are worried about is at bats. Uh, and that's Avisail Garcia. Um, I think he could be an absolute monster in Milwaukee this year. Um, just I like, it. you know, he's athletic. He's, uh, you know, people don't realize how, how fast he is. I mean, he is just a, a, a freak of nature uh, as, as an athlete and, you know, the whole Ryan Braun fear, um, you know, I think he's going to play a lot more uh, first base and now, Okay, you're talking about a DH, um, you know. All of a sudden, uh, Avisail Garcia becomes, I think, potentially, you know, a hundred pick value. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. You actually stole him from in our battle of the draft champ, draft battle of the podcasts uh, league from from me. Well, you didn't snipe me, but like I wanted, I, he's a player I wanted, but you took him there, so I agree. I like him. I, yeah, I, 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 I agree. I agree with that too. And he's right in his prime. I mean, he's 28 years old. I think it's uh, finally in a hitter's park, which is nice. Um, he had he had an injury riddled 2018, but if you look at his 2017, I mean he hit 330. Is he going to hit that high again? Probably not. But he's I think he's a good good bet for a 280 plus average, 20 home runs. He's also going to give you some speed, which I think a lot of people don't don't realize. And you kind of alluded to that, Craig. But he had 10 steals last year. Yeah. Man, we're agreeing with each other so much. Mike DeMelech must be loving this or hating this. Like, like there's no con- there's no conflict and controversy here. We're just we're just we're just loving each other's picks. So he probably, he probably checked out once he heard there was Trump supporters on. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yeah. Well, you know what? Well, at least we at least we had at least we had. Because I'm going to have somebody that you that one of you took in your draft as a as a bust. Uh, as a bust and a, and a potential regret because I took him earlier in the season and uh, in the draft season. So, all right, okay. Well, you got to hold on for a second. Yeah, I will. Because <laughs> as you mentioned, Trump's got to Trump's got to um, to come up with his uh, player that he loves. So <clears throat> let me let me try and get get into the Trump character here. So this player is so tremendous. He's he's fantastic. Um, I have the most shares of anyone in the world of this player on a. <laughs> On a per capita basis, that means for, of you, for you that don't know, that's if you divide my shares by the number of drafts that I've done, I have the most shares of this player in the whole world. 
Uh, I have more shares, um, actually, of this player than any other country has. Um, it's um, He's so incredible that um, actually the player's name um, is Julio Arias. Um, he's so incredible that um, you actually don't need any other pitchers um, if you draft this pitcher. So um, he will be my only pitcher. That is how fantastic he is. So what you'll notice about Trump, how he explains things, is his he may pick the right player for these um for these questions, but his logic just makes no sense. He, he, he doesn't back it up with any actual facts. It's just him talking. Yeah, <laughs> I, that was actually pretty. If you if you could do the voice, uh, I will say that was that was uh, very well done as far as uh, how he would have put that. But I have my own theories on on why he does the things that he does. But I'm not going to get into that that's now. A, that's okay. Yeah, like I said, I'm not I, I'm not going to do the I don't I'm not good at the voice, but I'm. I'm I'm pretty I think I can get into his head. So there's look. actually a guy uh he's got an Instagram. I, I see him on Twitter. Uh people post him. I mean, if you saw this guy's imitation of Trump, I think I've die. seen this. I think yeah. I, I think I've seen it. It's so funny. He does uh he does Obama too. <laughs> yeah, I I've, I've seen that. Those are good. <laughs> All right, so let's go to uh, let's go back to John, a player that you're that you're not high on. So this could be a player that maybe you've soured on because of um, just some time to think over like a changing course of the season. Uh, for me, it's Matt Olson. Uh, I can't understand why he goes so high. I mean, I get it; he's got a lot of power, and I like that too. Don't get me wrong. I think power is something you can find throughout the draft, though. I think he's a three category player. I, uh, he's not going to give you any speed in his average. I mean, what is he going to hit for his average at best 270? I think he's more of a 255, 260 hitter. And he's going at the end of round three. And I just, I don't understand why you would take Matt Olson at the end of round three when you can get Rizzo or, uh, you know, my guy Abreu two round, two, three rounds later. And I even like, I would rather have Carlos Santana or Christian Walker at their ADPs far more than Matt Olson. So this is where I will, if you, if we want a disagreement, uh, I, I'll, I will. Oh I will boy, the Olson camp. Uh, I think there's a few reasons. Uh, I, I've stated all season that I think the um, the first base dra- uh, pool is going way higher than I'm comfortable with, uh, for the most, I mean, besides Bellinger after Bellinger, I mean, I, I think Freeman goes too high. I think, uh, Alonzo goes way too high. I mean, there's, uh, you know, his second half was, there was a swoon in there that was a little scary. Um, you know, I think Goldschmidt is probably going to just uh, he's going to burn a lot of people year after year that bet on his comeback. Uh, I think Olsen, the reason people uh, are are believers on him is, uh, you know, the the injury that he had was a freak injury, right? It was a hamate bone, and he came back and still mashed. Um, he is just a beast. And, it, it, you know, if you look at their lineup, I mean, he's uh, projected by um, on fan graphs to, to hit fourth. He's got uh, Semyon, Loriano, Chapman ahead of him, and Canna, Chris Davis behind him. I mean, you know, Chris Davis for years, you know, when he was doing his 247, 40 home runs, I mean, the RBI, the counting stats there were off the charts. And Olsen can be that guy in this lineup. 
Uh, and I just I think that he he I agree the the average is never going to be he's never going to hit 300. But I think if there's a guy who could hit um, that hasn't yet uh, hit 50 that could uh, he'd be the guy I would bet on. Um, I just I, when he's been healthy, I I I love what he's done. Yeah. Well, that's contract and co- conflict and controversy. It, there you it go. Maybe a hope and a dream. Make happy. So, sometimes I'm willing to do things that I can't completely rationalize. But that that's more of a you know. Craig, you're crazy. You're punch crazy. on the guy. Yeah. Who's your Who's your bust? Uh, so here's where I, I was going to have some conflict. And and for oh, the record, yeah. So uh, this is your fifth round pick, Luis Robert. Um, so I you know just. Before I, I state why, I actually took him before they signed him at uh, my first draft champions back in November uh, at the – I think he was like the 110th pick. So, you know, I was all excited thinking, oh, what a great value. Um, you know, I think the, you know, crowning him, you know, this uh, steals and home run, I just – I think we've we've overstated the potential or understated the potential for some learning growth, uh, 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 growing pains. Uh, you know, he's feasted on fastballs, right? The minors. Um, you know, so we ha- we haven't really seen him challenged with breaking pitches uh, at, at the highest level. Um, so that scares me a little bit. Um, He's projected to bat eighth in the lineup, and I don't really see a path to him. You know, Tim Anderson isn't going anywhere, and you know whether or not you you buy into his, uh, you know his his BABIP and on base from last year. I, I still feel like they're not going to move him down unless he gets hurt or you know he has a catastrophic slump, which you know in a shortened season that seems kind of unlikely that. Uh, that that would happen and he would lose that slot. Mankata, um, you know, I, I just, to me, he's just fifth round is just uh, way too high and, and I'm guilty of doing it too. And, you know, I think it was really due to the, the speed potential. Um, but I mean, if his average isn't what it should be, you know, they've got uh, other options potentially. So I, I don't know. Uh, that That worries me a little bit. I agree with a lot of your points. I think the other options thing is I think they're gonna I think he's gonna play. I think they're gonna let get him give him his run. Well, so if Madrigal comes up, right? Uh right. now you've got Lurie Garcia who can play multiple places. Uh they're not playing Larry Garcia Larry the cable guy Garcia over Luis Robert after the well, I get it. This is if he does struggle, uh are they just gonna throw him out there every day? Yes. I don't know. Yes, uh, they and will. It, I think it, they will. In a shortened season where, you know, if the Twins don't run away with it, where every game counts more, are they going to let him learn through an extended slump? I don't know. I think it's very unlikely. I think he's going to have to be very, very bad for him to be sent down or or benched. Um, First of all, I think he'd have to be very, very bad. And second of all, even if he is bad, I think there is still a chance they're going to ride him out. But I hear you on the other points. like I did, I, like you said, I did take him in the fifth round. I'm looking back here. Uh, I don't, I don't see anyone else I would take over him. Um, like uh, Larry, Ramon Lariano's gone, and Victor Robles is gone. He's sort of like that next third guy that's going to get you their speed that goes around that per, uh, per, uh, that time. I'm not big on uh, what's his name, Mercado. Don't want him. So 
I'm going to stick by my pick there. Um, but I do, I do hear, I do hear your concerns, but you're, but um, for the, this is for Mike to Mike for contract and con- conflict and controversy. You're fucking wrong, Craig. You're, you're done. You're, 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 your opinion, your opinion is worthless. Louis Robert should always go at pick 5.13 every single draft. He's wrong about Olsen too. So I'm going to, yeah. Uh, you know what? My my wife is agreeing with both of you. I'm sure if she can hear me somewhere. Oh, um, yeah, I, thought, all right, I'm, I know we're running a bit late here because it's past now, midnight. I was thinking that uh, maybe your wife is actually listening to us. No, talk. no, I just said I'm wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, another, but but to that point, another guy in that same ilk is uh, Gavin Lux. Uh, you know, I mean, they've there've been some some grumblings about him actually starting in the minors. Um, you know, they've got that loaded lineup, shortened season. I mean, they could afford to yeah, – I mean, he had a bad postseason, uh, right? Not post. Uh, what was it? It was uh, down a stretch. He was struggling, right? I'm trying to think now, um, getting my players mixed up here. but I just uh, worry about his playing time a little bit. Yeah, that's really the point I was trying to make. Um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. All right, so my bust – or Troy Trump's bust. You know what? A lot of the, a lot of these guys, my my sleeper, and my boss are guys that I've talked about on the podcast quite a bit already. But uh, whatever, here we go. So here's here's Trump. So have you, have you been watching the that uh, new series, um, The Last Dance, and uh, how Michael Jordan? He was Mike Jordan, and then they he made it, and they started. He's like, now I can be called Michael Jordan. And this is my good friend. Um, he used to be called Mike, uh, uh, but now they call him uh, Jim Carlo. Um, uh, I just feel like he, he was a bust before, um, early in draft season when he got injured, but now he's, uh, now coming back up draft boards a little bit because people think he's going to be, um, healthy, but, um, I think he's going to rebust, not, not, not robust, but rebust here. Um, uh, just because he's, he's going to for sure going to have another impact, uh, another stint on the, uh, on the DL, the disabled list. And, and no, no, it's not racist. The DL, he's not going to be able to play. He's going to be disabled. It's not racist. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good for a Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm, 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 I do agree with, uh, the Stanton, the Stanton take. I do. I do agree with Trump's t- take on that that he's gonna he's gonna be a bust i think he's gonna i think there's just a good chance he's gonna get injured again yeah i was not thrilled with the way that somebody posted a video of him walking into i think i mentioned this on another podcast but it always sticks with me like he looked like he was walking into the yankee clubhouse like just leaving like a nightclub or something i don't know <laughs> it did not instill a lot of confidence he didn't look like a guy who been working out all off season no, i don't know <laughs> All right, next, uh, let's look at our um, bounce back player. Who do you think is going to bounce back? Comeback player of the year. Uh, for me, it's David Peralta. Uh, my own, most owned player in all my drafts. Well, I saw you took him in the other draft we're looking at, so you're probably going to be targeting him here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. I probably <laughs> You don't have to worry about me. You're secret safe because I'm. He's he's um, basically a guy that I'm not drafting, so I don't think I'm going to be taking him. Okay, so this is why I like him. I, I think he's got a terrific batting average floor. He's also going to be hitting cleanup um, in a much better uh, lineup with the addition of Starling Marte, and 
he's got some protection in his lineup too. Christian Walker, I think, is another guy that I'm pretty high on. Uh, hitting behind him, I think he's got an opportunity to really produce a lot of counting stats. Now, he's obviously not going to give you much for in the stolen base category, but I think something like a 280, 20-plus home runs, 80-80 season is definitely well well within reach for him. Right on. And I think a lot of it is where he's going, too. I mean, you can get him so late. I mean, you can get him as your fifth outfielder. Mm, maybe I will. Maybe I will in this draft. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Craig. Craig, who's your who's your comeback player that you're um, you're that you're uh, gonna thrill us with? So I'll say come back and exceed um, what has occurred for this player in the past. So uh, I, I'm saying that he will follow in the footsteps of Carlos Santana, who left Philadelphia, went to Cleveland, and uh, was revitalized, and that is Cesar Hernandez. Oh, I thought you were going to say Domingo Santana. No. Um, so here's a guy, um, you know, who, who, you know, did what he did for years. People picked him up because he was, uh, you know, uh, a good hitter who would give you a, a handful of steals, uh, some some decent counting stats, would you know, uh, decent batting average. Um, but, you know, he's a switch hitter. Um, he has the potential to uh, hit – They've talked about putting him at the top of the lineup, um, which, you know, is also the other thing that scares me a little bit about Mercado uh, is this discussion of, of Cesar Hernandez and his, um, you know, very projectable on-base percentage. I mean, they love having Carlos Santana up there, um, you know, Jose Ramirez, Lindor, all these guys, you know, aside from what they give you with, uh, you know, power, speed, average, they're all on-base guys. Uh, and Cesar Hernandez is that type of profile for uh, for Cleveland. Uh, and there's been some talk of moving Lindor down to the third slot. And, you know, if if Hernandez can get either that one two slot for the for the Cleveland lineup as a switch hitter who likely will not uh, suffer any uh, platoon, um, you know, some days off of that, I, I, I think that he could be a tremendous value this year in drafts. Oh, you, you, used the, you, were, you used the word tremendous. You're kind of I like, did. Uh, you're also channeling Trump. I, I, actually, you know I actually love that selection. I, I'm a big fan of Hernandez. I always have been. And I've, and I've missed him everywhere. I haven't gotten him once. It's, it's frustrating. And, and Fran Mill, like I'm missing on Cleveland players. Apparently uh, everybody else is very high on this team this year. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a friend of mine who's a big Cubs fan, and I've always told him I thought that Hernandez would have been a perfect fit for the Cubs at second base because – he was cheap. He's a huge on-base guy. Second base has always been kind of a weakness for him. I always thought they needed a leadoff hitter, and I thought he just was just the perfect fit. And, I mean, obviously they didn't get him. But, yeah, his on-base percentage, I mean, the guys lived on base. So, and it's – I like that selection from you, Craig. Yeah, this, the, the Cleveland people were kind of selling him out as missing their window and, uh, you know, just awarding – Minnesota, the the division, but um, they've done some sneaky, smart things here with with this team, and I, I think that uh, I, I certainly count me as uh, as somebody who was kind of writing them off as waiting for that next wave of their crazy uh, system, that crazy good system that they've got. But this is a decent lineup. <laughs> yeah, this it's a it's a far bigger upgrade than Jason Kipnis. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. 
I think they had a better offseason this season than they did last season, where they basically did not address their outfield at all. And, yeah, I, I think the Cleveland's gone in the right direction. All right, boys, ready for Trump's uh, bounce back? <laughs> yep. All right, we got Carlos Correa. He's going to bounce back very big at the right time, just like the stock market. That's it. He doesn't he doesn't back it up with anything? Remember, like, there's no there's no stats, there's no stats there's no uh, logic. That's just it. <laughs> you just gotta have faith, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I hate that pick though. Uh, I I have to say I, I'm that's another guy who's just burned me too many times, and you know, getting no. a Going on the IL from Trump. a massage, that's it, man. Uh, you're, Donald, you're, right. Donald, Donald Trump, he's, he, he knows about it. It's just it's a massage. It's just a massage. Yeah. It's nothing. That's it. I'm off the Trump train now. You've, you've, <laughs> you've killed it for me. <laughs> All right. Let's go on to what was, what was the next What was the next category? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Guys that, we, that you, you think you whiffed on that you're going to be out on going forward or like at least for their price. Uh, so, John, let's start with you. From an early draft uh, in draft season, I took Will Smith um, after he signed with the Braves. I thought oh, you stole mine. <laughs> John, he told he, he told it in the he told us in the chat that he's taking. Yeah, I didn't see that. <laughs> I, I mean, once he signed with the Braves for the amount of money, I thought for sure he'd be the closer. And then I know they announced the you know the manager announced that it was going to be Melanson, but I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. So I still took him. I did take Melanson later to back it up just in case. Uh, but yeah, I mean, still, it sounds like it's going to be Melanson. So I think it's Melanson's job to lose now. And I'm afraid Will Smith, even though I think he will get some saves, uh, I think he's going to be used more in the seventh, eighth innings. I had that same one, so I'm I I, I tend to agree with you. I took him I took him way too early in the first one I did. Um, just a dumb move, I thought. <laughs> Yeah, looking back at it now, same thing for me. I mean, at the time, I was like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at his numbers, he's getting all those saves, and his numbers are great. Caper 9's great. Everything's great with San Francisco. Like, can only be better with Atlanta. And then he's not the closer, so. <laughs> yeah. You want to do your Trump one, and then I'll, I'll have another one by then. Okay, you got to go, go longer than the last one now. <laughs> okay, uh, ready for it? Yes. All right. Um, this is a player that I was taking like in round 50 or the late, late rounds, not as a dart throw, but as a, uh, as a, a strategically placed dart. Um, this is a rule five pick. Um, they told they stole from the Astros, Brandon Bailey. I was on him and guess what? He was not being drafted at all in November, December. And as soon as I started talking about him, since so many people listen to this podcast, this guy was getting drafted in a, in a lot of drafts, but guess what happened? Baltimore Orioles, who are terrible, returned him to the Houston Astros. So he, although he was projected to be um, a starter in the rotation on roster resource, he's now back on the Astros, which he virtually has no chance of doing anything. So I will no longer be drafting him, and I will consider that a whiff. But as Trump would say, no, I do not take any responsibility at all for this. Uh, so I can, I, I've got a backup if, uh, if you want, I, this, this pains me oh. to say it cause it's more uh -oh. situational than anything, but, uh, Nate Lowe 
you know, I just, God, I love the player. And, you know, I, I kind of bought into some of the stuff he was, uh, they were talking about in camp that he's, he'd been working on, uh, he's working on his defense. They talked about putting him at third and that just, I, I fell for it again. And man, it's just, and they signed Tatsugo and then, <laughs> I mean, now they traded for Jose Martinez and <laughs> I mean, that guy is, uh, he's just going to be the, the new poster boy for buried depth talent. And it's just, it's heartbreaking because I just, I want him to play so much. Um, but you know, I, I took him much higher than I probably should have in, in, in an early draft. So he would be one guy I would say that I, I whiffed on pretty badly. All right. Yeah, the Rays seem to not like him. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. It's an everyday job. All right, well, it'll be weird when they trade his brother Josh Lowe because I mean he that is a player that's definitely depth that they don't need and the type of player that he is, and then they're still going to have Nate Lowe buried on the depth chart. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's well. a tough one. I don't know. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what's going to happen with that situation in Tampa, but it it could could go basically any any which way of like five different ways i also took emilio pagan right before he was traded that was emilio emilio (laughs) all right john who's your relief pitcher target uh for me it's hansel robles um i i don't think he's given the credit i mean i think i don't know if people think that he's gonna lose the job or what the deal is but um I mean, he had a 288 FIP last year, and his average fastball is up to 97.1 miles an hour. Uh, he started throwing his changeup a little bit more in June. And from uh, June on, he had a 1.8 ERA and a .91 whip, a little better than 9K per nine. I think with an improved team, I think I think he's one of the best valuable one of the best value closers on the market. Yeah, I like that pick for the record. I like that pick too. I think, yeah, he's sort of underheralded. Um, exactly, that's it. I mean, for the value you're getting him for, I think he's, um, uh, you know, I don't see why they would. I mean, yes, I think people are a little scared off by some of the other um, assets they have there in the bullpen, but um, yeah, I, I think he's he was solid. I don't see why they would. Another Mets tragic Mets story. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. All right, Craig, you want to uh, share yours? Yeah. Um, I mean, so are we talking about guys that are a little later or just guys that we're consistently getting? I, well, the way I phrased it was consistently getting. Okay. It's up to you. So that guy for me is Taylor Rogers. Um, you know, I tend to, you know, and I, I have to give credit to, uh, the guys on the, um, um, Statcast podcast, um, they're really good at um, identifying, like, you know, just, I mean, they were on Emilio Pagan for, you know, a while before everybody else realized it. And, and they're really good at, at, at promoting the relief pitchers that, you know, that are going to be the cream that rises. And to me, Taylor Rogers was one of those guys. And uh, I think a lot of people are worried about the fact that he's a lefty, the fact that they've got other arms there, but... Uh, he is so good, and he's on an amazing team. They're going to get saves. Uh, you know, that's if they don't, you know, club their way to nine-run victories every time. But um, I just—he's just an amazing pitcher. He's so solid, and, and I just, to me, I just—I I draft him, and I don't worry about him. 
um, which is dumb to say about a relief pitcher, but uh, he's my guy this year. Um, I, I will say, well, well, are you are you going to do a fade for relief pitchers? Um, I wasn't planning on doing a fade, but we can talk about that uh, after. Well, okay. Well, just what well, one note. I was just looking at the list. Uh, I didn't realize until just now, but Ken Giles uh, a lot, had a lot of value because people thought you know that he was going to get traded. I don't know what that looks like now. Uh, if, if there is now trade risk with a lot of these players that people were valuing because of the potential to go somewhere else. Um, sure. He could still get traded, but I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. I, I, so you're saying you're, you're fading him. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not, I, I, I like, I like enough. Giles a lot where he's going. I, I like him too. I just I like yeah. Giles and then with Naros. I think those two guys are a nice little sweet spot where all the closers are going. Yeah. I agree with that. What with, uh, uh I, no, I, I like Giles. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but I do agree with what you're saying too, Craig. I mean, who knows with this the trade deadline ordeal? I mean, Giles, if he didn't have that elbow injury, he probably would have been traded at the deadline last year. Yeah, I mean, have you guys heard? I, that's the one thing that I've not read a single thing on uh, of their discussions in this whole thing. Obviously, it's a secondary issue to hey, are we going to play and where? How are we going to do it? But um, I mean, I can't even imagine how they would handle that. Um, you know, I feel like there's going to be a lot more teams in it. Um, so how that plays out. So I don't know. It's just something I was throwing out there. All right, let's get uh, yeah. move on to Trump's uh, Trump's uh, favorite relief pitcher. So um, okay, here we go. <clears throat> so we're going to move on to uh, Cleveland, and um, we're assuming that Brad Hand uh, might get traded. So there's there's some there's some nice little uh, hard throwing backups in place. So um, now. Um, this drug that I'm going to talk about is is a complete game changer. It's called Boldenon, and it's completely approved. Um, you know, uh, you know the expression. What what the hell do you have to lose? I'm I'm right a lot, and I feel good about it. So you know the feeling. Like I'm a smart guy. Um, so Emmanuel Clase, um, that is my pick for my relief pitcher um, for the second draft, uh, the, the the second uh, chance draft champions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm I'm obviously kidding. I know that he's going to be completely out of the picture because he's suspended 80 games, but that's the joke. And uh, but I do believe that um, Brad Hand and Cleveland could go in a different direction. So James Karinchuk is actually my guy uh, that I'm going to say um, could um, gain some some considerable value, especially now that um, Clay's is out of the picture. I actually am all over Karinchuk. I, I I took him really high in a keeper league and was ridiculed for the pick um and i didn't care uh because this is a points league where um like two years ago the highest scoring player was um uh edwin was it diaz no it was uh the year before it was um who's the guy that was uh the mets closer before that um familia? jury's familia yeah uh, just the way the, the 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 league is set up, uh, there's just a lot of uh, potential for RPs to soar. But I mean, every everybody that has seen him in the minors is, and and if you watch video, I mean, his stuff is absolutely disgusting. You know, I, I'm right there with you on that one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, his his numbers last year, video game numbers, is insane. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and I think if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna 
figure out who the next Korean check is. And if you're looking at minor league stats, um, the guy in Texas. Um, the hell's his I name? knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, um, I've talked about him before. Um, I forget his name. Demarcus Evans. He sounds like a basketball player. Um, he, um, yeah, his. If you look, just go and, and uh, fan graphs Demarcus Evans. Um, uh, you know what? He might be on the, that that taxi squad this year. So um, I've been I've been grabbing him where I grabbed Leclerc this year in in the fifty rounders. But um, you never know. He was in Double A, I think. Not really projected to make the majors, but uh, his numbers. He's like uh, Karinchuk exactly. Um, and um, he could be in a high leverage situation. Like I like Leclerc, but Leclerc's no sure thing. Yeah, he had right. 100 Ks and sixty innings last year between High A and Double A. So. Yeah. Ray, Ray Black. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I should I should have known uh, I should have known Craig. Yeah, he's he's your guy. <laughs> Except right, you so took I, him in a draft, didn't you? Did you I, take I, him with like the fiftieth pick or something? I was taking him last year in 2019, actually. And then he got injured, yeah. but um, I don't know if I have any of him this year. Um, um, another guy that I guess we're we're, we're um. We've, there's there's a lot of guys we can talk about. Another guy is Corey Knibble that that actually added a lot of value and he takes some value away from Hader um, because he probably is going to be fully healthy by the time that the season starts. Not to say that he'd for sure lock into that closer role, but he's definitely um, muddies it up a little bit. Um, and he's a very he was a very good pitcher at, at when he was at, when he was um, at his peak, and um, he may still be able to reach reach those goals. Um, yeah. He worries no, no. me though, because he's coming back from. In, he already had control problems. He doesn't need yeah. to worry. You can get him at like pick four fifty. There's no worry. Yeah. You don't need to worry about those guys. He's just. just uh, I want it to be Ray Black, dude. It could like get both of them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't I, you know what, John Fish? I might. I might get both of them this draft. Watch out! I might get Ray Black and Kenny Curry Knable. I don't care if you don't want. Any, I don't care if you don't even want them. Um, I actually um, like Knable too. I I think the Brewers' best bullpen is when he's closing, and Hater can work the seventh and eighth, or just the eighth. Or okay, it's on because both of us don't have our closers, so we're going to be scrounging up for um, Karinchek and Knable. Leave him alone. Um, Speaking of that, you what? You're on the clock. I know I'm on the I know I'm on the clock, and you know what I mean. I sort of talked myself out of um, Shohei Otani. If you draft uh, Ray Black with your at some point your fiftieth pick, and he saves more than let's say five games, let's call it ten. Okay. Uh, I will send you a uh, Trump 2020 shirt. How about that? <laughs> Can I have one anyways? I'll well wear it. Hey. Do- so before um, before I want to talk about the la- uh, this this last player that we talked about before we uh, started recording, uh, did did I offend you with my Trump um, m- mindset there, or did you enjoy it? I, don't know. I, I thought it was interesting. I mean, I I, I you know I'm certainly uh, he he is a character and characters. Hey, you know what? I didn't I didn't say anything negative about him. I was I was I was paying him homage there. Of all, all of his famous, famous quotes that everyone remembers over the last couple of months, and no one remembers anything else he said before that. <laughs> <laughs> I but, have some uh, wacky theories that I won't. I'll tell you offline, but um, yeah. So, yeah. I, I, anyway, so one other guy that I, that, um, I think we'd, we'd be remiss to not mention because of all the changing, uh, changing scenery is uh, the guy we were talking about before was Herman Marquez. Mm. So I know that you guys were were talking about him. So uh, John, do you want do you want to do you want to say anything about Marquez in terms of what you think about him now versus before? Uh, I mean, I like him. I I get it. Pitching in Coors is not ideal, uh, but he was awesome in 2018. 
Everybody thinks he took a huge step back in 2019, but his whip was still 1.2, and that's pretty solid. Um, of course, his ERA is terrible. He's he's not a good pitcher at home. Um, but you're not taking him as a top three pitcher right now. At least I hope you're not. Um, so, I mean, maybe he is a guy you could mix and match a little bit. Uh, start him when he's on the road. Start somebody else. Maybe a high-end reliever, uh, middle reliever when, you know, he pitches at home. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, if, if the, they don't play in Coors, I think he takes a major step up. I think he's I think he's a very good pitcher. I think he's just the Coors effect is just too much for uh, for my liking. Right on. I still still think he's going. I mean, way earlier. I'm I'm pulling up uh, ADP, but I mean, you guys may have it handy. Uh, I mean, who are some guys going right after him? Uh, like to me, the the list was shocking. Um, uh, Marquez is going one seventy six. Okay. On average. So I'm gonna do since uh, since March. Uh, yeah, that, that's since April 15th. That's just uh, it's only been three 15 team drafts since then. I can do a little bit sooner. Um, so there's been five drafts since April 1st. So yeah. he's going ahead of uh, so since March 1st. Um, he's going, and this is what uh, I can't tell how many drafts. Anyway. Uh, 427 drafts. He's going ahead of Andrew Heaney, Luke Weaver. Um, let's see some of the other. Uh, I'd take him. I'd take Joe Musgrove over him. I'd, I mean, there's a there's a lot of higher upside guys than. I mean, the fact is, yes, he's going to be great on the road. But what what's so frustrating is not is those weeks where he's got a start on the road and a start at home, and it's just it's such a headache. Like it's. There's so many more places I'd rather go. I mean, Josh James is going after him. Um, you know, I like Adrian Hauser more than I like him. I mean, there's – and Ryan Yarborough. I mean, these guys, you know, you're going to get solid numbers from them. And I just – to me, the roller coaster isn't worth it. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. I mean, there's a couple of guys there I'd take over him too. So. All right, Actually, I'm going to make, yeah. make my pick here. Um John, I know he's, all right. Why is it exciting? <laughs> yeah, I've been de- I've been deciding as you guys have been, have been as you guys have been talking here. Um, You're going to take Herman Marquez. No, yeah, I'm not going to take I'm not going to take Herman Marquez. This is a tough decision. I don't really love anyone here, so I want to get an instant reaction from you guys, or from at least from John, because he's going to see it happen. <laughs> I'll make it in the next ten seconds here. Um, all right, we're going to go with starting pitcher. No, we're not going to do another pitcher, actually. We're not going to take a closer here. And I don't think I'm going to go Otani. So I am going to go with this bad boy. I like it. Do tell. Who, 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 who was Craig? Who's your guess? It's yeah, not. Craig, it'd be a, it's a shot in the dark, but maybe Craig, you can guess who I took. <laughs> okay, what is this, round nine? I pick 133. So looking at the board... Um, a player that I figured should be going off soon is Mitch Garver. No, he's, uh, no, he's, already, he's already gone. Oh, he is. Okay. Yes. See, I can't see the last. I didn't take a catch. I didn't take a catch. Yeah. So I wouldn't know who went, but. Uh, who, who went? Who went? Who went? What, who's the last guy that you have? That you uh, Max Freed. 
Okay, so you got Lance Lynn, Schwarber, Garver, Carrasco, Neris, Nick Anderson, Zach Wheeler, Elvis Andrews, Benintendi, and then I took a guy. I was going to say Lance Lynn, but you said not a pitcher because that would have been a great pick. Lance Lynn was taken. He was taken. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, Schwarbs is gone. Yep, that's by Fish. Fish took Schwarbs. Ah, nice pick. Um, yeah, I have no idea. Who is it? You don't want to take a stab? Okay. Um, I took Guriel. Lords. Ah, I actually just did the same thing way earlier than uh, than uh, in another draft I'm doing. I, I like it. It's a good pick. You like it better than the Otani pick that I considered? I like Guriel where he's going more than I like Bichette where he's going. Hmm. Uh, let me let me sit on that one for a bit. I mean, it, it makes sense to me. I mean, it, dep- it depends. I, I have a discussion on Twitter with somebody. I think it was bad flip crazy about the stolen base, uh, stolen bases for Bichette. Like what, what we think he actually is because he was caught. I think he only had a 50% success rate last year and his success rate hasn't been good through the minors either. Yeah. We have that spin. It's a small sample size too. So it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty unknown. Well, I just, I mean, just relative value, right? So, uh, Bichette went uh, middle of the third round here, and you're getting um, Curiel in the ninth, the end of the ninth round. Curiel is projected to bat in third. the three hole after Bichette and Biggio, and in front of Guerrero. I mean, he could put up a monster season, and whether or not he does at, in the ninth round, it's a it's a solid pick. Uh, Another thing is um, uh, Yuli uh, has been on record saying that Lord is way better than he is. And this is like, this is back when Lord is, wasn't really even in the major leagues. And he would, he was always telling people that he's Lord is, is like a way better player than him. He, that's what he would say. Way, way better than he ever was. So thank you for what it is. Brotherly love. Yeah, I was. I think it depends if you can just stay healthy. I think that's been kind of the issue, right? One of them. Yeah. I was a little disappointed when I did uh, – there was one article I wrote, um, and I didn't do the other side of it, which was the negative side of it. But uh, I basically took um, all of the um, plate discipline and hard hit uh, batted ball data, and I took – it was a first half versus second half analysis, and I ranked all the players with 100 at-bats in both uh, first half, second half, and – uh, assigned, you know, are they ranking uh, relative to each other to see who had the most growth and who had the least uh, or most negative growth? And I was surprised to see Guriel uh, was at the bottom there. Um, there was, there, you know, because I was so high on him. You know, this is another guy that I was like, okay, this guy's ready to break out. I don't know if he was uh, hiding an injury, uh, which is really the reason I didn't do that article was. It's too hard to know whether or not some of these guys were, you know, hiding injuries, and that was the reason. So it's it, you know, it became difficult to really make any uh, retain any value from the analysis. But uh, it was a little troubling. But I, I'm I'm still a believer. Well, my my one concern here is that he's from Toronto. I'm from Toronto. Like, are they even going to be able to? If we play in home ballparks, are they even going to be able to come into Canada? with these uh, international travel restrictions. So maybe I shouldn't be drafting anyone with families, anyone that's uh, a Blue Jay, anyone that's currently out of the country, like Darvish that might not even want to come back to the United States. But mm-hmm. If he's in Japan and they're doing a good job of controlling the virus, like 
his wife's probably like, no, 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 don't go back there. Um, yeah. like, just, I, I, just I wouldn't be surprised. Some... I don't think it's out of the uh, out of the question that some of the players, like maybe from the Dominican, Cuba, whatever, like they maybe one or two just don't come back to the United States. They're like, I'm not doing it. Just to give you some some data to support that point, I was just making. Uh, Guriel lost seven point one percent or on his O swing, so it went from thirty five point nine to forty three percent, which is pretty high. Wow! Uh, uh, did you do this for everyone? I did this for everybody uh, with uh, over a hundred uh, plate appearances in the first and second half. Wow. Um, any, any, that's interesting. Man. How many, any other notable um, stats from there that you can share? Yeah. I mean, the, the one that, well, let me, let me finish going through Guriel just so I can complete oh, my scrapping on him, even though I'm touting him. Uh, zone contact went from 80.4 to 75.5. So we lost 5% there. Swing strike rate went up for 4.3%. Uh, his barrels, um, went down three and a half percent. So, I mean, across the board, he, and you know, this, you see something like that and you think, Hey, there could be an injury here. Um, But it's definitely notable. Um, I think the biggest takeaway was Rugnet Odor had a monster second half. Uh, His O swing went from 35% to 30.5, a 5% uh, improvement zone contact improved from 83 to 85%, which is league average. Swinging strike dropped uh, 0.8%. His hard hit rate went from 40.9 to 50.6, up 10% in the second half. Um, you know, so this is a guy, and, and yet I haven't drafted him anywhere. <laughs> but, but, I mean, you know, he's. I kind of got into, uh, there were guys in this last draft that I just did a home league where they were kind of giving me crap about this, but um, because I was touting him and not drafting him. <laughs> well, boys, I think we got to wrap it up because it's gone kind of long and I'm afraid that I'm um, keeping you guys um, past uh, your bedtimes. So um, we can we can take this talk offline, but let's, let's wrap up the show on that, on that note. Um, um, so, John, uh, why don't you remind everyone uh, where they can find you on Twitter and uh, what um, what you do, um, like Arbor Pro, et cetera, if there's anything else I missed. Yeah, just find me on Twitter, at Fish2483. Um, yeah, in a kind of a holding pattern right now with writing, uh, but we'll be getting fired back up as soon as we get a little bit of a direction here with the season at ArborPro.com. Nice. Craig? C. McGee, 523. Yep. No content. I'm all of a sudden a teacher. <laughs> Amazing. Of children. So, yes. I'm, good, for, well, good, for, good for you. Good for you. Well, thanks, <laughs> thanks, boys, for uh, coming on. And I hope... Uh, I hope this was a good one, and we got we, we're going to get um, as I'm ta- as I'm talking right now. I think we're going to have uh, the outro music, right? Craig's going to be playing it. He's already playing it. He's already got it. He's already got it uh, dubbed in here, right? Over yeah, this maybe, part. Maybe so, I'll dub in some 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 Trump sound bites uh, over <laughs> it. Yeah, dude. You know, what? yeah. You should, um, yeah. Work your magic. Make, make make me make me even funnier than I already was. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, I'll end it on that. That was um, that was our draft champions triumphant return. Thanks, John Fish. Thanks, Craig. We'll see you guys later. See ya. Let's say China. 
China. China. China. China. China. China. China. China. China. China. You go over to China. 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 You take China. 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 I love them. China. 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 I have to have my China. China. China because China. 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 I know China very well. China. 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 It's China to me. China. 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 You want to buy from China? That's great. Buy from China. Buy toys from China. China in particular. China. China. I have people that I know in China. 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 China, 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 China. I've been saying China, 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 China. Let me ask you about China. China. I go to China. China, 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 China. People from China, they love me. China, 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 China. In China, they say I don't like China. I love China. People think I don't like China. I love China. China. China is the new China, by the way. China. 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 I deal with China. 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 Big league. China. So don't tell me about China. I know China. 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 Whether it's China, China. So if you went to China and you wanted to get a job in China, I don't knock China. How could I dislike China? Man from China. China. You have China, Carl. Take China. 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 China, 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 China. China's over here. Look at what China's doing. They're learning from China. China, China. Okay. Look at that. Isn't that nice? China, 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 China. And by the way, I love China. I mean, I love China. How can you not love China? I love China. China, 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 China. And you know China, 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 South China, China, China. People say you don't like China. I like China. China.